tonight. On the Midnight Train podcast, we take the train to the Danvers Lunatic Asylum. What the hell happened there? What's with all the lobotomies? Warning, we say things like we're back bitches, all aboard. and welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What does that mean? Well, we make fun of and, you know, make jokes about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer, and with me is my co-host. He's fucking back. It's the one. It's the only. It's Mr. Moody. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, I just needed my inhaler there for a second. <laughs> you got to give yourself an applause, though, man. You're back. Yeah, I don't even know where it's at anymore. There it is. Yeah. Uh, we're, back. we're back. We are back. We're back. Because you had to miss a week. Yes. And it was just all fucked up for like a month. Dude, taking that one week off felt like a fucking it lifetime. Did. It yeah. felt like How a you think lifetime. I feel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if you're, if you're just listening to us for your first time here, um, first of all, uh, welcome. Uh, secondly, yes, we had to take a little bit of time off. And Moody, this is his first time back with us in oh, about a month. About a month, yeah. Yeah, he uh, unfortunately... I haven't left my house since February 12th. He got the COVID. I did. He got the And it beat your ass. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Beat your ass. Yeah, I spent five days in the hospital, so... Yeah, and then I thought I had the COVID, and <sighs> turns out I just had bronchitis, which beat my ass. <laughs> it was rough, dude. I mean, oh my God, I've never... It's been a... Uh, I've never shot up so much green shit. Yeah. Like, chunky green oh. shit. Like, ugh, sorry, if you're eating yeah, out there. <laughs> I uh, apologize for that. Yeah, that's what we do here. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. So you're doing all right, though, man? You're feeling better? Yeah, I, f- I feel pretty good. It's just the whole, my lungs hurt, and I can't do more than, like, five minutes of work without wanting to take a nap, so. Oh, well, you're here. Yeah. We're back. Yeah. We're here. And I'm just sitting here, so it should be okay. Good, and hopefully everyone's ear holes right now are feeling warm and fuzzy, <laughs> because hopefully they're hearing our... Je ne sais quoi. Is that is that C? Je ne sais quoi. I don't know. It's just you know. It's no, nice I to be back, you. man. It's, I've it's, I've. It's a lot better when there's both of us here. Yeah, it's it's we're fun. In the yeah. same place. It's uh, it's it's the only thing I enjoyed about doing the uh, the the episode by myself is that I actually got through it without an interruption. <laughs> but but the only reason I say that is sorry. No no no. <laughs> No, but what I'm what I mean by that is is that as I'm going through it, I needed the interruptions. I missed that as yeah, I was doing yeah. it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow. And that's why, like, the it took like five <laughs> seconds to get through everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. It was, I think it was a pretty short episode. Yeah. But listen, I'm kind of bummed I missed the diet love. Oh, I know. Episode. Though. I know. It was it was it's yeah. fucked up. Fucked up story. It's crazy, man. Fucked up. So I, I think all the um the the conspiracy theories behind it are what gets me because yeah. every single one of them has a tinge a of possibility. Bit, there's a little bit of yeah. truth. That, like there's a lot of crazy, a yeah. lot of crazy shit. There's a lot of little shit in there. Might um, have to go into that like a bonus episode where I can help, where I can talk. There about you go. A conspiracy you. corner. Yeah. We got to bring it back. Maybe. maybe. Got to bring Here it back. We bonus episode. Yeah, we yeah. are doing a bonus episode yep. on. Did we do the bonus episode? <laughs> I fucking remember too. Uh, the, what is it? The the Yuma the Yuma Five, right? Yeah, the Yuma Five. We're going to be doing Which that is, one too. Some people call it the uh, that we got that from a uh, who, who was that Justin? 
I may have been. Said, yeah, and I looked into it. It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Some people call it the... Uh, the American diet love yeah, kind you, of deal. But if you guys don't know what that is, um, five uh, mentally, somewhat mentally um, they were all like, disabled. They all had, yeah, they were, they had like anxiety issues and the one dude was like PTSD. Like mental stuff, and, yeah. And they all yeah. went out together to a apparently go to a basketball game. game. Four of them died and one never of them has the never one. been... And, and there's all kinds his, of shit they around find it. His shoes. They found his shoes. Yeah, shoes. They were 20 miles away from their car, and a cat. Like it was just crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of conjecture. I'd never heard of it. That. Yeah, it's, and then I started looking it up. I'm like, dude, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I, it's wild. I actually do know that story too, so I can't wait to do that. And if you guys yeah. want to check that out, we're going to be doing a bonus on it. But before we get into everything, real I'm quick, I'm also just just I am working on a new um, day. The music died. Yay! Things, things got a little off the rails for a while. You think? And uh, <laughs> and I. Kind Kind of put it on the back burner. I'm a little bit. I'm about halfway through it right now. So awesome. That'll look, be coming pretty soon. Too. I look forward to. It. Do you want to yeah. give us a hint on who it might be? Uh, or do you no, want, want no. people to wait? I want, just, you're gonna have to wait, wait and see. Yeah. Okay. It's gonna be a good one. It'll be fun. A lot of. Uh, I guarantee you that most of the people listening to this that are around our age loved this band at some point, though. Okay. So. Awesome. Well, um, so we got some voicemails oh, over Christ. again. Um, <laughs> is it the Pepitones? Isn't this just a travesty? I can't believe y'all didn't have a shower. You guys are so sick with the sniffles and whistles. I just hope that this is a lesson learned by you too to wash your hands. Maybe you need a new man. Perhaps you have some butterfly or unicorn material laying around. You can take your favorite scissors, just a dab will do you, and cover your stink hole so you don't get charmed. <laughs> now, I hope we all learned our lesson, and I hope that y'all get better, because I didn't have a show to listen to, and frankly, I'm upset about it, okay? So get your shit together. I'm so sorry for using bad words. I don't use, use, use foul language, but I'm so fired up that there wasn't a shout. Okay? So you boys take care and get clean and get healthy. Okay? Eat your vegetables. Okay? Toodles. So I'm pretty sure that was Jeff's was that, aunt, right? Yeah, I think that was Jeff's aunt. I yeah. think that was aunt. So sounded she like sounded like she was upset that we weren't yeah. here, which we understand. And yeah, we're sorry. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, we do apologize for having to take the time off and things were kind of weird. But we, was listen, it yeah, was my first time. The first one we've ever missed. Ever missed. Yeah. Ever missed, man. And it was it was weird, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't talk. Yeah. I literally I couldn't it, talk. Um, we, we got a couple more here, though. Oh, um, let's see here. This is for Mr. Moody. I almost had you, bitch. You're lucky. I'll be watching you. Hey. Was it George Romero? Like was he calling from the other side? Oh my God, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. That is absolutely um, terrifying. That is. It's I don't even know what to say about that's that. That's terrifying. He was hoping you were going to die. He said he, he almost, almost had you. Jesus. George. Holy wow. shit. Wow. All right. So there is one more here, and let's see what this one is here now. Um, come on. Hey, uh, this is the raccoon. I heard that uh, you guys had a running with the COVID-19 virus. Um, I'm here to tell you that uh, if you want a vaccine, I have three, and I will trade them for a lunchbox. 
if you want to meet me in the alley, I'll be the one with the leather coat. Uh, I'm willing to trade, uh, again, three vaccines for a lunchbox. Okay. All right. And that was the uh, the <laughs> Jersey Raccoon. The Jersey Raccoon. Um, that was, that's nice of him, though. Yeah, I got yeah, a couple seems, lunchboxes. Nice. I got some lunchboxes. You got a spare lunchbox laying around. I get that vaccine. Need it now, do I? Yeah. Well, no, you're good now. Unless they're they're talking about all these fucking variants of this shit yeah, that are coming around. I'll end up with like the only one of one kind. <laughs> you're like, oh, I've never seen this one before. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it burns when you pee? What? The, that's not COVID. What the fuck it is now, bitch? <laughs> so you beautiful motherfuckers. You guys know that we're just, uh, you know, a couple of nitwits, musicians, and assholes that love history and can't get enough of the mysterious. And listen, we want to thank you guys all so much for uh, listening at this very moment. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. And uh, in saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. All right? Because, you know... It's nice of you. And we have been getting be a nice. lot more would, of them, too. It would be nice. Yeah. And, uh, oh, by the way, we broke into South Korea. Yeah. We're on I the South that. Korea That's charts. Awesome, That's dude. pretty awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. So we're on the Australian charts, South Korean charts. The Canada. Ta- Canada, Taiwan, uh, United Kingdom. Great Britain, yep. Yeah. That's awesome. We're making waves, baby. Yeah, we're making making moves. Just as we all almost died and yeah. put out a show. <laughs> You guys are riding high. Yeah, we're not going to put out a show this week. Sorry. Oh, I just started listening. You guys are so great. Yeah, we're dead. (laughs) So you guys listen. Get out there and please leave us a review. It really does make a, a, it helps out with all the logistics and shit like that. I don't don't know why. It's just whatever. You can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And as we mentioned earlier, Patreon subscribers will be getting a bonus episode on the Yuma 5, right? Yeah, the Yuma 5. And it's a pretty fucked up story. Sounds like a Western. (laughs) (laughs) It is not a Western. No, it's definitely not a Western. (laughs) It is not a Western. Wait a minute, that is a a Western. That's the 310 to Yuma. That's why I said it sounds like a Western. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a great movie, by the way. Yeah, it's good. They uh, just remade it recently. Yeah, well, it's about, shit, that was probably like eight years ago. Is it? Seven, eight years ago. Yeah, time. Wasn't bad. Me Wasn't and, bad. Me and time. We not so good. Yeah, no, especially <laughs> me and, now. Me and the times. So yeah, uh, make sure you guys get over there. Sign up for Patreon. Uh, all the bonus episodes are going to be up there. You get every single one of them for free. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a cool thing to do. And, you, you know, you can get all kinds of cool shit over there, too. So you can sign up for that over at the, uh, the MidnightTrainPodcast.com. That's our official website. Or go over to Patreon.com forward slash The Midnight Train Podcast. <laughs> and when you're over at a website, you can also pick up some merchandise. And, you know, you sign up on there because then you Dude, get your I'm name still waiting on my fecal fighter shirt. It's coming. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Dude, with everything going on. <laughs> This is the busiest month in the world, like from from um, February until mid-March yeah. is the bar-wise, oh, yeah, no. because it's know, our t- it was our 10-year anniversary, my wife's birthday, yeah. and which, happy birthday, Grace. Yeah, happy yeah, birthday. Yeah, she just had her birthday. And, um, She's not going to listen to this. <laughs> probably not. And and we got fucking St. Patty's Day coming up, and with the COVID reg- uh, restrictions and stuff, I don't know so what the fuck to, we're yeah, going to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's just been nuts. So anyway, those fecal fighter shirts will be coming. I actually have a couple other designs I'm working on as well. So yeah, you know, it'll be fun. So get over there and do that. And plus, you know, go over to our uh, official Facebook group. Say hi. Yeah. Say hi to us and leave us your crazy fucked up memes. I'm back to posting. So there'll be stupid stuff in there again. Stupid. Stupid stuff. Stupid stuff. (laughs) I'm literally just sitting around my house doing nothing. (laughs) I'm just glad you're feeling better, man. It's it's glad to have you back, brother. As long as I don't have to do anything, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I cleaned the kitchen and took a shower yesterday. I was like, <laughs> I need a nap. First day I got home, I took literally a five-minute shower, and I was just like standing there like, 
It sucks. That's stupid. All right, so let's turn down the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get spooky. Spooky. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. Dude, I can just hear the Jankos in this. <laughs> Spiked hair. Uh, the ball. The bleach tips. Ball necklace. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you were more of a shell necklace guy. No, no, no. no. I had the ball ones. Like the ones that they keep the pens on at the bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love this song. It's a good jam. Funny, uh, funny little anecdote about that song, uh, that entire record. First of all, that's Burning Vegas. It's one of my bands, um, and it's now available on... Shameless self-promotion. A hundred fucking percent. Well, first of all, uh, the song's called Going Crazy because we are going to the Danvers Lunatic Asylum. Just thought it was fitting. Yeah, it's good. And... Yeah, that uh, that whole record, that was our first record called Ladam New. It's now available on Spotify and Apple and wherever you listen. But funny little anecdote about that, that entire record, I recorded the vocals for it in my bathroom. Yeah. At my old house. In really? Yeah. Nice. With Cole Martinez. You know Cole. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mr. Cole Martinez. So, yeah, if you guys are out there and you like that song, go check it out. It's Burning Vegas. And, you know. If you don't like it, join the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> All right. So, we are heading to the Danvers State Hospital. Where is that? Also known as the State Lunatic Hospital at Danvers, the Danvers Lunatic Asylum, and the Danvers State Insane Asylum. Okay, you still haven't told me where it is, though. Well, it's a psychiatric, was a psychiatric hospital located on what was known as Hawthorne Hill in Danvers, Massachusetts. Oh, Massachusetts. 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 Over there by the Boston's guys over there. You know what I mean? The boy, I'm trying to get that. I can't. The Boston accent tough, is, dude. it's hard. Damn it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you could do it. Anyone could do kind of a Boston accent, but well, it's hard to do a good one. Yeah, because typically the generic one is, you know, go down to the bar, take, yeah. uh, take my car, yeah. you know. But they've got more of a, it's almost like a rounded O at the end. So yeah, it's weird. Say you, go, you gotta go over there and, and get your, get, get, get your, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah. I don't know, it's weird. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Derail already. So this is ironically where the Salem Witch Trials judge, John Hawthorne, actually once lived what a dick yeah but how crazy oh he was a fucking piece of shit oh, yeah yeah but it's just crazy that there's a little That's connection the there yeah, it's, yeah. It's, makes me creepier right which does sound like a future train rider bonus maybe possibly what is that talking about hawthorne and the okay. witch trials and stuff yeah, like that everyone's yeah. done the witch trials but i'd like to get a little bit more into if we ever did one I'd like some to, of the side characters yeah, and like the, the actual yeah the people that yeah, were yeah. like backgrounds the ones who fucked everything up and were assholes because basically it was just like you know a bunch of fucking dickheads going she's a witch and then they fucking put him on trial and hung him you know what i mean that's pretty much all that happened so it has been done a lot it's a cool connection though right and holy shit was i it guess a- that's the name that the right. Hawthorne- okay right so if you think uh you know people are judgmental now obviously if we go back and check that out holy shit was it crazy so once occupied on a hilltop site of over 500 acres with a commanding view of boston boston damn it <laughs> 18 miles to the south, uh, known as Hawthorne Hill, Porter Hill, and Dodges Hill, the Commonwealth purchased the site in 1874 from Francis Dodge, which is a pretty fucking badass name. Francis, My name's Francis Dodge. I'd go by Frank, dude. Frank Dodge. That's, Frank Dodge. That's yeah, pretty, dude. That's good. See, our lucky pair went by Frank Fran. Dodge. Frank Dodge. <laughs> Frank Dodge for Dodge Ford. Um, 
So he owned. Ford. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds funny. So he owned the 200-acre Dodge farm and was a local farmer and Civil War veteran, and they bought it for a whopping thirty-nine thousand five hundred and forty-two dollars, which. Uh around now would be about $907,322.41. That's still not bad. No. For 200, well, for 200 acres? I mean, it's kind of a lot. 200, that's probably prime acreage right there, though. But in Boston. Yeah, you're overlooking Boston, dude. Right, Boston. You know, I wonder what that land is worth right now. Well, probably nothing because there's a shitty-ass lunatic. <laughs> exactly. So it was uh, lavishly covered uh, with established oak, pine, and apple groves. Speaking of apples, by the way, Moody, did you know that my family owns the distinct privilege of finding and documenting the very first golden, delicious apple tree? I don't know that. I didn't know that. And I think you're bullshitting me. No, swear to God. Swear to my life. The Sayer family? Yeah, well, it's the Mullins. So the original tree was found on the Mullins family farm, who my grandmother was a Mullins, in Clay County, West Virginia, in the U.S. of freaking A, for you people who are not here. So so let me get this straight, just, just to recap real quick. Yeah. Your family, your ancestors. Correct. Found, came across, if you will. Right. The first Golden Delicious apple. Correct. It was a variant of the uh, Golden Delicious, which is uh, known as Mullins Yellow Seedling. Oh. And the Annet apple. So it was uh, locally known as that before becoming hmm. the whatever. Yeah. So maybe you don't give a shit. So and, you're, you're, maybe you, you, come from, you come from apple people. We come from apple money, man. <laughs> apple money. Yeah. Got that Golden Delicious money. <laughs> Which, you know what that equates to? Nothing. Fuck all. <laughs> so either way, that's now a part that's of your cool. useless knowledge. Like it. Yeah, like it's it. kind of cool. There's actually, a, when you go down in the holler, and literally, there's a one of those, you know, those bronze plaques that people yeah. put up the historical ones? Yeah. There's one there actually stating that. No down shit. There. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But nobody goes down through there, so I don't think anyone even knows about that. You should make a trip down there and see it. Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a picture next time. So the State Lunatic Hospital of Danvers was erected. <laughs> Under the supervision of prominent Boston architect Nathaniel J. Bradley in an extremely rural, out-of-the-way location, the immediate crisis was uh, pre uh, precipitated um, the building of a mental hospital north of Boston, uh, and it was the eminence in the early 1870s of the closing of the facility at South Boston. So South Boston, we need one. North Boston closing, so we built one in North Boston. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, so they were closing one, had to build a new one. Correct. Gotcha. So in 1873, Worcester, Taunton, and Northampton. It's Worcester. <laughs> Worcester. <laughs> Fucking dumbass word. It's Worcester Not, Mass. No language in the world does that translate to fucking Worcester. <laughs> it says Worcester. I know. Worcester. It's Worcester. Yeah, it, no, it's Worcester. No, it's fucking Worcester. Worcester Mass. We have a Worcester. You know how it's spelled? Fucking Worcester. W-O-O-S-T-E-R. Worcester. That is true. We do have one. That's, that's Worcester. Yeah, Worcester. No, there's this War Worcester. But you don't ever hear anyone around there saying Worcester. No. They say Worcester. It's Worcester. <laughs> Worcester. <laughs> We're not making fun. I love the Bostonian it's accent. It's ridiculous. I love it. It's the fact Worcester. You Worcester Mass. Worcester. No, fucking not Worcester Mass. <laughs> and in uh, the uh, 1866 Tooks, well, Tewksbury Asylum for Chronic Patients was already housing 1,300 patients at this time in buildings designed for only 1,000. So a little bit crowded. You hear the numbers of shit like that? Like, they literally would put anybody in a lunatic asylum. Mm -hmm. Like, for anything. Correct. Yeah. 1,300 people. Yeah. In a fucking lunatic asylum. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean. And you know half of them were probably fine. They had, like, ADHD or some shit. <laughs> right. That, no, that's probably true. You know, like OCD or something anxiety like that. Like, yeah, anxiety, like yeah, just, absolutely. And they were fine. They just needed a little bit of help. I am uh, bringing my daughter in here because, uh, well, <laughs> she's having issues. And what what's what's her issues? Uh, she's having trouble breathing. <laughs> so you want to lock her up? Yes, yes. Until she's about she's thirty. A witch. She's a witch. <laughs> she's a witch. 
Burn, I kill the witch! So obviously it was a little bit crowded and another 1,200 patients were scattered about in various <laughs> other hospitals. At a cost of 1.5 million at the time, right around $39,237,000, the hospital originally consisted of two main uh, center buildings, housing the administration uh, with uh, four radiating, radiating wings on each side of the administration block, said to be the inspiration for our own episode topic, HP Lovecraft's Arkham Sanatorium. Nice. And that's where they say he got the idea for it, at, okay. which is awesome. That Dude, fucking... that old architecture is so cool. Yeah. Like, it's... it's it's weird that like because it's so it's so like like i don't know what to because it's got that gothic feel to it yeah but it's so just like basic right. it's just big stone fucking buildings like i mean you look at uh like uh the um reformatory Ohio reformatory yeah like the, those buildings man like the way they used to build that shit the big is, columns and just how just yeah. just huge but, they, and, but yeah. it's like they saved that creepy architecture for that kind of shit you know what i mean <laughs> well it's going to be an insane asylum so let's make it fucked up yeah yeah <laughs> let's just let everyone know how fucked up it is i mean you look at like all those big old asylums like that and they have that same like kind of gothic stone like just big imposing like it yeah, well, feels Danvers, it's like you, you know it's it, crazy it had a gothic design that oh. has captured the imagination of horror aficionados the world over as we yeah. said hp lovecraft it's a cool looking building yeah it's awesome and uh the kitchen uh which by the way uh i've posted pictures of it online on yeah. our social media so follow us on uh, twitter and instagram and all that shit and mm -hmm. our facebook page obviously yeah. you'll yeah. see the pictures of it um the kitchen yeah. laundry chapel and dormitories for the attendants were in uh, connecting buildings in the rear Middleton Pond supplied the hospital its water, and on each side of the main building were the wings for male and female patients, respectively. The outermost wards were reserved for the most hostile of patients. Crazy fuckers. The crazy ones, the ones who were way the fuck out there. <laughs> so it included space for patients, attendants, and administration, uh, <laughs> reflecting a centralized approach to care. They cared. No, they didn't. They cared. Uh, they side care. note, there's this movie that just recently came out. It's on Netflix called uh, I, uh, I Care A Lot. Yeah. Fuck that movie in its ass. No good. Hard. Oh. Hard. With a fucking huge just baseball bat full of just needles. Fuck that movie. Wow. Oh my, I've never been more pissed off at a movie in my life, dude. I can, I can see that. I literally, I, I, at one, my wife and I are watching Did it. you make it through the whole thing? Yeah, I, I, I forced myself. Only because she was watching it. I didn't want her to go through it by herself. Because yeah. how horrible. But I walked out at one point in time. I got up, I was like throwing the fucking remote. I was like, fuck this fucking movie. And not because of like, what? just a, it's a shitty movie. Yeah. Just a shitty movie. Anyway, don't watch that movie, folks. And if you do watch it, let us know what you think. <laughs> you're wrong, but let yeah. us know. Yeah, you're wrong. Obviously, your opinion sucks, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Completely. Uh, yeah, kidding with you guys. So anyway, uh, later buildings were added, such as the male and female nurses homes, representing the segregation of patients and staff. They wanted everyone segregated. The male and female tubercular buildings and the Bonner Medical Building represent specializ uh, specialization of medical treatment. The cottages, repair shops, and farm buildings represent an increased self-sufficiency for the hospital, an emphasis on occupational therapy, and increased dispersal of the hospital population. A circumferential... Oh, that's such a weird word. Circumferential. I, I actually said that. I don't that. think I've ever heard that word I before. Said that, I said that correctly. Circumferential? Circumferential. It's my 10-point Scrabble word for the day. Yeah, what does like it mean? <laughs> An interior road network surfaced the entire complex. So basically, the it, it, so it's the out the outer out rim of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hospital opened on May first, eighteen seventy-eight. Oop, coming up on a eighteen seventy-eight anniversary. Yeah, and the hospital's first patients arrived on May thirteenth. 
Dr. Calvin S. May was appointed superintendent through 1880. Previous to Danders, Dr. May was an assistant physician at the Connecticut Hospital for the Insane from 1874 to 1877. What was... Really, what was a physician at that point, though? Like, I had no fucking idea. How are you feeling? Uh, it hurts here. All right, well, don't Fuck. touch it. Don't touch that. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> Doc, it hurts when I touch it. Well, stop touching it. Dude, I told my I told my daughter that today. She was, like, kneeling down. She's like, my knee hurts when I do this. I'm like, don't fucking do you that. Don't do that. <laughs> that We're doctors in the 1870s. That's where we are right there. Dude, like... You're pulling teeth and doing like it's your fucking dentists were like your doctors at that point. They were surgeons. They did all that shit. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, and they had no fucking idea. Basic knowledge. You, you know, like here, bite on this. I'm going to dig this bullet out of your fucking back. Right. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, Fuck. it's ugh, brutal. Yeah. While Danvers was originally established to provide residential treatment and care to the mentally ill, its functions expanded to include a training program for nurses in 1889. That's kind of oh. cool. And a pathological research laboratory in 1895. Just think about this too. That's like prime Wild West time. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're late you know 80s I mean? or late 1800s for yeah. sure. 1880s. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's like Red Dead Redemption times. <laughs> the doctor comes in. He... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna cut you open with my spurs. Hold on. Come here for a second. I know how to get that out. Hand me my 45. <laughs> I'm gonna knock that shit right out of you. So during the, uh, uh, by the 1920s, the hospital was operating school clinics to help determine mental deficiency in children. And during the 1960s, as a result of increased emphasis on alternate, alternative, uh, <laughs> that's a good word. You got circumferential, but you can't say alternative. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's me, folks. Um, the alternative methods of treatment and deinstitutionalization. I can say that one, though. <laughs> and community-based mental health care. The inpatient population started to decrease. Oh, that's good. So they were actually trying. All right. They were which actually is really weird for that time period. Right. So, it, which is really cool because, like, again, what we're saying here is that they had all these different things, like alternative methods of stuff, and that were it seemed to actually be helping. And it started working. That's great. Yeah. And so, the, the because normally they just locked them up and did all kinds of weird shit. Right. Exactly. So, it's kind of cool. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to get to that. <laughs> so Danvers State Hospital closed on June 24th, 1992, due to budget cuts with the mental health system by the former governor. Wow, 92. William Witt, 92. <laughs> yeah. Not too long ago. Shit was almost there, 100 years old. Yeah. Actually, wait. When did it open? Uh, it was over 100 years old then. It opened? It's like 1870-something? 1878. Yeah, 100 fucking... Damn, it was over 100 years old. Yeah, yeah. I cried. I saw you trying to do the math there. I can't do anything <laughs> right now. I can't think right. I didn't eat dinner. I didn't eat dinner. If I, if I, I ate dinner, eat dinner. My brain, my brain's not functioning. My brain's so, not functioning. So Danvers State Hospital, originally known as the State Lunatic <laughs> Hospital of Danvers, like we said, was significant in both architectural and social history. Nice. Designed in 1874 by noted Boston architect N.J. Bradley, like we said, it is an implementation of the nationally recognized Kirkbride Plan. Dude, I fucking love the Kirkbride Plan. Yeah. I think it's a good plan. I, I studied that for a couple of years, yeah. man. It's incredible. It's an amazing Fucking plan. Fucking incredible. It's an amazing plan. Absolutely. One so, of the best plans I've ever seen. The, if not one of the best. Yeah, it, my, it's top three plans. At least. Easily. Absolutely. Yeah. So when built, it represented the latest contemporary advances in technology and engineering as well as architecture. Later yeah. additions. So this was like a cutting edge place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Later additions. Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a plan, yeah. dude. It's the, exactly. That's that's what we're saying. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Later additions reflect changes in mental health care philosophy and contribute to an understanding of the overall functioning of the hospital. 
Historically, Danvers State Hospital was significant for its leading role in treatment of the insane, including an advanced occupational therapy program, hmm. early training facilities for staff, and a long-term concern with community health issues. So they're doing well. I was going to say, so it, it, it sounded like, <clears throat> at least in the <laughs> at least in the earlier on, right. they, they were actually... Um trying right you know what i mean which is like i said that's for that time period most of those places they just lock you up fucking right treat you like shit and, and that was not the case here that's good all, that's awesome all. so um thus danvers state hospital uh possesses integrity of location design setting materials and workmanship concern for the disadvantaged including the poor the sick and the mentally disturbed was recognized as responsibility of the public sector in massachusetts since its early uh 17th century settlement period so people actually gave a fuck back then yeah it's kind of cool until the mid-19th century, the uh, the charge for their care rested primarily with the towns in which they resided through locally established poor farms. It's kind of fucking crazy. As the town's duties in this regard became unwieldy and largely unfulfilled due to, in part, to the pressure of immigration and rapidly increasing numbers of unsettled poor, the state stepped in, uh, first establishing the Board of Commissioners of Alien Passengers. You okay over there? Yeah, <laughs> And in 1863, the Board of State Charities, okay? So wait, at wait, first... Wait. You say Board of Alien Passengers? Yeah, that's exactly what it's called. The the Board of Commissioners of Alien Passengers. Where are we headed with this? I don't know. Where's this going? Not there. We're not going there. No? There's no? no? Okay. I haven't seen the notes, so if there's aliens, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm... Not that kind of aliens. No? No. Not those. Not the ones that Baker Mayfield just said he's all. Fuck. All right, go yeah, ahead. Not Keep those going. ones. Damn. By the way, Baker, if you're listening, buddy... Let's do an interview. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm down. I love I, it. I hit him up on Twitter. I'm waiting to see. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I did. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I did. I was like, dude, you should totally do it. Yeah. So I'm hoping it. Yeah. Come on, Baker. We love awesome. you, buddy. It'd be awesome, man. Yeah, that'd be so good. <laughs> so good. So anyway, so the, uh, they have all these different uh, boards and whatever. So those still administra administratively combined different facilities and types of care were gradually provided to victims of varying types of misfortune. For example, by 1863, three state hospitals specifically... Um, to care for the insane had been built at, at Worcester. Worcester. <laughs> at Taunton. Taunton. And Northampton. Ah, Northampton. <laughs> Northampton. <laughs> Trying so hard. I don't want to do it, but it comes out. You can't do it when you talk about Boston. You have, you, you you have, have to. to do it. You have to. Bostonians, it's, it's if you're like out a, there, we love you. It's like a fucking law. Yeah. If, if you're talking about Boston and not doing a Boston accent badly, you'll get arrested. Is, is that an actual law? Yes. It's, it's on the books in Ohio, anyways. <laughs> well, it's fucking Ohio, so <laughs> our accent is very vanilla. We have a yeah. very vanilla accent. Like Southerners make fun of us. Everyone makes fun of us because they'll be like, "Go to get some milk, milk," <laughs> and they they it, it make sure they overemphasize that oh, milk yeah. <laughs> and my pillow. <laughs> I'm like, I do not talk hey, like that. Hey, at least we don't say pillow and milk. That's the worst. That was my point with that because yeah, people in, saying in pillow, Washington. War, war, that's what? one of my. That's one of my least. That's one of my biggest. When people say Washington instead of Washington, who the fuck says Washington? A lot of people say that. What? Yeah, that is not even. Never mind. We just talked about Worcester, so yeah, we're not even gonna go there. Yeah, we're, exactly. We're, we're not even gonna go there. So Bet Bradley from Boston says Washington. <laughs> the Washington. By my my father does say aluminum foil instead of aluminum foil. <laughs> He says aluminium. <laughs> no, he that's says aluminium. That's what the Brits say. Aluminium foil. But yeah, it's not foil. It's foral. Down south, it's furl. Yeah, aluminium foil. Burl, furl, <laughs> earl. That's what they say. 
<laughs> so remember, we were talking about Bradley. Bradley's design for Danvers State Hospital was based on his unbuilt 1867 plan and 1868 plan for an insane asylum at Winthrop. Many locations were picked, including Nahant, Chelsea, Dorchester, Dorchester. Now, Dorchester. Do they, do they call that Dorchester? <laughs> Duster. Do, do they call it? Do no, they? it's Dorchester. It's Dorchester, it's right? It's Dorchester. So if that's Dorchester. Why the fuck is it Worcester? <laughs> exactly. The yeah. other one's yeah. fucking Worcester yeah. then. I mean, they might call it that. I don't know. I'm fucking with it, there. It's probably Dorchester. Dorchester. In Roxbury. But the state purchased land in Winthrop, like we mentioned. After numerous appeals to relocate Winthrop to another location, Danvers was finally chosen. Do you think that Winthrop was like, we don't want these fucking people here. You need to move this shit. Well, remember, it's that judge. So he was probably like... Just give me some fucking money and I'll leave. <laughs> Y'all can have the hill. I don't care. <laughs> 200 acres yours. I killed witches. Woo. <laughs> so a logical choice of the Danvers commissioners in uh, December 1873, um, Bradley prepared for his project by researching hospitals at Worcester, Mass, Poughkeepsie, New York, Concord, New Hampshire, Philadelphia, Trenton, and one under construction at Morristown, Concord, New Jersey. They have good grapes. Yeah, they do have good grapes. Yeah. 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 And planes as well. <laughs> <laughs> On this basis, he asked for $900,000, almost half again what the commissioners had allotted in April and picked draftsman Jeff or James F. Ellis to be superintending architect during its construction. Hmm. The Danvers site was chosen for its beauty, privacy, view, and farming potential. 18 miles north of Boston, two miles west of Danvers, seven miles from the coal port of Salem. That is a great spot, man. It's a great location, yeah. That land probably is worth a fuckload of money. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking it probably is. So accessibility to visitors, uh, visitors and a uh, supply of heating fuel were also a deciding factors. So they Very probably nice. had natural gas out there. Yeah, and yeah. it's easy like it's easy for all the Bostonians to get to. You're right. 19 miles out. The fuck, man. Yep. So the Swans Crossing Station, later renamed Asylum Station on the Lawrence Branch of the Eastern Railroad, sat on the northern border of the tract under the supervision of Lynn Engineering Charles or Lynn Engineer Char- Lynn of Lynn supervision of Lynn. oh Lynn. We talked about Lynn anyway. Engineer Charles Hammond, an overall site there plan was like drawn a up. Comma there that's yeah, probably there or I fucked it up, whatever. Uh, locating uh, the main building on no, that was me this time. <laughs> locating the main building on the crown of Hathorn Hill, Hawthorne Hill, and providing also for a support network of roads and room for farming operation. Okay. So, I like how I like how they build these places like back in the day to be like essentially just self-sufficient. Right. What was the other one we talked <clears throat> about that they had like all that? They had farms yeah, and uh, it was one of the other asylums. Uh, which one was it? Do you remember? Nah, I don't remember. Ah, shit. But they, like all those places, <laughs> like when you read about all those places, they were basically their own fucking towns. Like they had yeah. their own shops to build shit. They had their own farms. They had all their own they shit. Had, like, like their own jails. And complete, shit. Yeah, they were completely self-sufficient little like little places, which is awesome. I think that's how it should be. You know, like I think like I feel like prison should be that way. Like self-sufficient. Yeah, self-sufficient. 100%. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. So bitter controversy over the building of Danvers Hospital uh, centered around its configuration, um, ornamentation, and cost. Construction began again on May 1st in 1874, eventually costing a whopping $1,464,940.57. Many agreed that Danvers ranked among the foremost in its facilities for convenience and practical operation. Its provisions for securing that purity of atmosphere, which is necessary to the perfection of hygienic conditions and its general adaptation to the purpose for which it was intended. Fuck yeah! Boom, bitches. Nice. You like that? It's good. That was good. That's what they said. I'm like psyched about it now. That was like really eloquently put. Like, you know why it costs so much? Because it's fucking badass. That's why I win a championship right now. You're going to go win a championship? Yeah, that's like me up, dude. Yeah, you're hyped? Yeah. 
Baker, we're talking to you. Come on, buddy. <laughs> so they explained, quote, the plan, the style, the architect, and the thoroughness and permanence of the work already performed. Boom. They were like, this place is fucking badass. So, in 1877, an inquiry was held into cost overruns during which the issue of the hospital style dubbed Domestic Gothic by Bradley inevitably surfaced. The commissioners defended their plans, which when exhibited at the International Exhibition in Philadelphia... This is so fucking cool. It's huge. It's huge. So cool. Yeah. Uh, received the only award made to, the, uh, to this country for plans for an insane asylum. So, you hear that? It's pretty badass. Yeah, that's awesome. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Others lined up behind Senator Sanborn, who calling it the Hospital Palace at Denver's. Danvers, Denvers. That's a totally different part. Completely different state. (laughs) Totally different part. Argued that, quote, even many a royal palace is neither so large nor so pretentious architecturally architecturally as the hospitals (laughs) at Danvers. So they're basically saying this place, it's got, it's so... It is huge, folks. If yeah. You guys just if if you don't follow us, and you should be following us on social media, but if you're not, just Google the Danvers uh, Lunatic Asylum and I'm look looking at, this at place. P- I'm looking at pictures right now, man. It's it's, it's, it's huge. incredible. It's colossal as shit. It's just it's fucking ginormous. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting a boner by talking about that. Or is it just because you're back? <laughs> Probably me. Oh man, look at me, dude. All right, I mean, you know, I've right. lost weight. I'm feeling good. You have lost a couple of pounds, yeah. man. It's kind of crazy. Sexy. <clears throat> so here's a great name: Pliny Earl, the superintendent <laughs> oh, at the State man. Lunatic Asylum in Northampton. Oh, <laughs> Quote: Decreed the trend to excessive ornamentation in hospital architecture, preferring comfortable interiors to gorgeous exteriors, suggesting that domes, towers, and turrets are very appropriately situated at universities like Harvard and Yale, but are scarcely appropriate when they stand as monuments over the misfortune and the miseries of men. So people. They were mad about the way they they, they were looked. pissed about they they made a big stink about how they made this place look so like imposing grandiose yeah. and okay. whatever and here it is supposed to be like you know some place for yeah you'd want to you kind of want that though it's inviting you know you're just like wow this place is great well to them you know? these are the bottom of the barrel people that so you know, why bother why bother yeah why 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 propagate it and make it all awesome if they're just in there because they're you know what i mean why are you gonna make them crazies live in a cool place <laughs> my house don't look like that and i ain't nuts you know what i mean yeah that's pretty I much get it. it i get it and so that's what they were doing back in the day hold on drink jerks <laughs> so yeah people are pissed off about it yada 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 they're not happy about it this piney earl which is a fucking horrible name by I the way pun. i don't even know that guy want to pun him but what's funny, though, is that the uh, the towers and turrets that this guy was actually bitching about were, in fact, necessary to the building's ventilating system. OK, not merely just for stylistic features. So they okay. actually they designed this thing purposely. Yeah, yeah. it has purpose. The entire thing. The investigating uh, investigating committee concluded that several arrows and air arrows. <laughs> there it is. Mm. I've been holding off. Yeah, been, I just yeah, couldn't do that's it. A good one. I had to give it to you. But several errors in judgment had been made. While the hospital commissioners were superseded early as a reprimand, a one hundred fifty thousand dollar appropriation was awarded to allow the completion of construction. So they got more money to finish this fucking. So thing. basically, they looked into it and were like, "No, nah, everything's cool, but this is actually fucked up. So here's more money to fix it." Right. Yeah. yeah. So they, there was a couple things they wanted to fix. It helped them out. The first patient, again, we uh, talked about this earlier, was admitted on May 13th, 1878. Provision of pure water, pure water, an important component in 19th century mental health therapy, was also the subject of argument during the construction and early years of the hospital. So they, <laughs> they, 
all right, obviously back in the day, they made it a point that like, uh, you're only going to get better if you have the purest of waters. Yeah. You can't have like tap water. But then again, their water was coming from a fucking pond anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So you need to have some sort of like filtration systems. And shit, I, I, I would guess? assume so. Yeah. The nearby. It's pretty, it's pretty forward thinking. Yeah. Man. That's what I'm saying. In the late 1800s. So these crazies had better water than like most people. Correct. That's, Which okay. is why everyone's up they're in an upheaval. Off, they're right. like, what the fuck? Yeah. I think it's funny that they're pissed off. That they're trying to like help people and be nice to them. Right. Oh, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Ain't no one being nice to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the nearby Ipswich River was explored early as a source. Ultimately, the town of Danvers, which had in 1874 established its own water supply from Middleton Pond at Wills Hill, indicated its willingness to service the hospital's needs as well. In 1876, an agreement was struck whereby the town would build its own intermediate reservoir on the grounds to supply a gravity feed system via a series of 10, 10, 5,000 gallon tanks in the attic. Jesus. Yeah, it's a lot. So they like, dude, this place was fucking state of the art. Way ahead of their time. Way, 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 way. A gravity feed system with 10 tanks? 10, 5,000 gallon tanks. Jeez. Yeah. It's pretty pretty massive for water. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean that's a big ass place though. Yeah, you know. That's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, way advanced. Way advanced. So the town's inability to cope with a rapidly rising and undigested antisocial population was not the only impetus behind state involvement in mental health. I like that word. Impetus. impetus. It's yes, a good word. That's a good word. Another important component. It's also a good clutch song, by the way. Is it really? Yeah, it's a great song. It's awesome. I like clutch. Another important component was the move away from demonology toward moral treatment of the oh, insane. Thank, thank God for that, dude. <laughs> a cause. I bet you Hawthorne was pissed. Oh, yeah. Uh, a cause which was loudly and publicly championed by such uh, social reforms as Boston's Dorothea Lynn Dix. <laughs> her energetic. Dix. Yeah. Lynn, Lynn Dix. Her energetic career uh, had significant local as well as national and international impacts. So what the fuck is demonology, Moody? We've talked about demonology before. And if you guys go back and listen, you can probably remember. But guess what? I'm going to give you a fucking refresher. All right. Okay. Demonology, as some of you dark motherfuckers may know, is the study of demons or beliefs about demons. Makes sense. Right. They may be non-human, separable souls, or discarnate hmm. spirits which have never inhabited a body. Hmm. Once smarty pants and pants doctors and psychologists realized that people were mentally ill, <laughs> they and then stopped pointing their fingers at them for being, you know, possessed by the goddamn devil. Science, yeah, sl uh, science slowly moved in and people started to receive the help they actually needed. So Thank back in the day, Christ for that. somebody was, you know, mentally ill and they'd be like, oh, they're a demon there. They're into demon island, whatever. Yeah, fucking we got a rough pass, folks. So at mid-century, the humanistic approach toward care of the insane was generally accepted. Uh, you know, which just is fucking helps though. Right, it's about time, right? You know, yet controversy still surrounded the form of the building arrangements such as inst uh, such institutions should assume. Some heavily represented on the state board of charities favored the dispersion of the dependent as opposed to the con congregation. The other faction in the controversy, which found many supporters in the association of the medical superintendents, favored a large, highly centralized complex. Okay. Okay. Chief proponent of the centralized, centralized, centralized fucking words plan was Thomas S. Kirkbride. Oh. Remember Kirkbride? Yeah. Who was a founder of the American Psychiatric Association. His plan, right? Right. This is his plan. Right. And we're going to talk about his plan. The fucking man with the plan. That's right. So he was a physician to the Pennsylvania Hospital for the Insane and friend of Dorothea Lynn Dix. Oh, everything's yeah. Dude, full circle. Full circle. That's a circle. Full circle. Yep. 
So Dr. St uh, Thomas Story Kirkbride, his middle name is Story, which is pretty epic, actually, if you ask me. Not bad. Who is a legitimate badass and who served the Pennsylvania Hospital as the superintendent from 1841 into 1883, created a humane... Holy and shit. Yeah. 42 years? Long Man. time. Created a humane, compassionate environment for his patients. Good for him. Yep. And believe I like that this guy. I fucking like this guy. He's actually, he's pretty great. And he believed that the beautiful settings uh, restored patients to a more natural balance of senses. Dr. Kirkbride's progressive therapies and innovative writings on hospital design along with management became known as the... Dun, dun, dun. Wait, 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 wait. The Kirkbride plan. It's the Kirkbride plan! Ah, woo! Which influenced, in one form or another, almost every American state hospital by the turn of the century. I including fucking told you Danvers. it's one of the best plans ever. I'm telling you, it, it is. It is the best. It's, yeah. it, if it's not Absolutely. the, if it's not the best plan, you know what, Kirkbride? There you go, buddy. It's for you and your plan. You yeah. deserve it. He needs that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he does need that. So, Kirkbride, the badass, devised a specific institutional model, thereafter known as the Dan 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 Kirkbride plan. Right? Kirkbride yep, plan. There it is. Which was built upon in all 30 states. Then, of course, because you know we're still in the late 1800s, so we're still. Maybe there's 51 states. <laughs> Are you including Puerto Rico? No, man. Canada. It's not a state. Sure is. Nope fucking own them bitches <laughs> it's just northern u.s <laughs> no they don't claim us at all no 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 which i understand completely my wife's family's canadian yeah 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 they probably hate i us. would love to move to canada i would do it in a heartbeat would you mm -hmm. what would you do up there i don't know be canadian what, what does that entail just play a bunch of hockey eat poutine and Right. I'd have to be a lot nicer though. I'm not nice enough to be a Canadian. <laughs> and ride a fucking one, one of those moose. big a moose. There it is, a moose. I'm just kidding, Canadians. I, I've never been up there. I'd love to go up there. Dude, it's be beautiful. Where my where my wife's family lives. It's so nice, dude. Really? Oh yeah. And what, what part is that again? They live uh it's a really long dumb name with a P. <laughs> the short name is Penetang. It's uh, it's north of Toronto. Pootie Tang? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another big city around there is Barry is another big city. Yeah, I know. But uh, you, dude, you, it's you could literally. It's right on. I think it's right called now. like the Georgian Bay. It's like right on this big body of water. It's fucking beautiful though. It's right down by the bay. Yeah, you just may. I may. Why don't you go eat some hay? <laughs> eh, anyway, that was a stupid, horrible joke. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So his plan literally was adapted by every state hospital, like all across the United States. He's he's kind of a badass. Okay, so. Uh, also, he actually helped um, um, bring just it into. Just realize there were only thirty states in the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you don't think about that very often. You're like, oh, how we have progressed, or have we? It just wasn't that long ago. If no. you think about it, you know, not really. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, we're in two thousand twenty-one. Well, well, like right? Hawaii was not until what the fucking fifties. Fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Well, like fifty-one, fifty-three. No, I don't know about that. It was fifties. That's all I know. Six fifty. Keep going. You'll get them all. Sorry, Hawaii. <laughs> so anyway, so he actually, his his plan, the dan dan dan. The Kirkland plan. Kirk yep. Bride. Kirk Bride, fuck. Way to go. God damn it. So anyway, his plan, he actually brought it into several European cities. All right. So like. Oh, really? He's moving across over to Europe and everything else. Like people are adapting this. Fuck yeah. So H.H. Richardson, the prominent American architect, for example, built a variation of the Kirkbride Plan Hospital in Buffalo, New York <laughs> in the early 1870s in cooperation with Frederick Law Olmsted. <laughs> Frederick Law Olmsted, yes. <laughs> you may know my friend Longbottom, yes, maybe. Mm, or not, fuck yourself. 
So the Kirkbride plan provided that mental hospitals should. Do you want to hear what the, the plan consists of? Yeah, I'd love to, man. Yeah. All right. So one. One. Be built in the country, though accessible at all seasons. Okay. Sounds good. Two. Yep. Be set on grounds of at least 100 acres. Very nice. I like it. Spread it out, man. It's correct. Give them some room to roam. Three. House a maximum of 250 patients. I like that. Keep the numbers low so you can low. focus on them. Correct. Yeah. Four, be built of stone or brick with slate or metal roof and otherwise made as fireproof as possible. I like that. I like that. Kinda so if something happens, it doesn't just, the whole place doesn't go up. Kind of makes sense. I'm yeah. Just, I'm just saying that one's. Yeah, the people were stupid back then. Yeah, that's true. Number five, be composed of eight wards separated according to sex and built according to other specifications as to size, location, and material of accommodations. Okay. All, All right. right. All right. So basically make sure everyone's got their own spots right. and, and separate who needs to be separated. Keep the chicks from the dicks. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Well, that's fine. That's good. No raping. Make sure on. your accommodations are correct for your peoples. Absolutely. And yeah. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Okay. Um, number six, be organized with wings flanking a central administration building. So in other words, you have everything centrally focused and then and that way they can get to whoever they need to. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it right. makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yep. Number seven, house the most excited patients in the end or outermost wings. Okay. So keep, keep the away. fucking crazy ones <laughs> away from everybody else. Sure. Can't. I mean, you got to do that. Okay. And lastly, my favorite, number eight, provide an abundance of pure, fresh air. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of this sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Wrong beer. Sorry. Yeah, that one's uh, already that one's, gone. That one's empty. Are you are you done already? No, I still got like half of this one. Oh, okay, good. Drinking some beers, folks. Yeah. Hopefully you guys are too. It's been a long fucking week. The fuck yeah, dude. Well. <laughs> Not for you. I don't even know what fucking day it is anymore, dude. <laughs> so Kirkbride's hospitals were intended as monuments to the belief that most insane are curable, and thus the function of the hospital is primarily curative and not custodial. That's awesome. It's amazing. For that time, like going back to it again, for that time period, that's such like ahead of its time. I'm not even kidding. So I, 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 I've always loved the story of this facility, and we're gonna get to the shit that you guys probably want to hear more about. Yeah. And um, but but reading about, I didn't know anything about this stuff. It's though. fucking this crazy is, to me. Yeah, this is crazy, awesome. like groundbreaking, like way advanced, ahead of their time, fucking shit. Like, fucking, and then, it, then everything just kind of took a header for a while there. Yeah, and, it, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> it's coming up pretty soon here. So the curative process was to be greatly enhanced by pleasant surroundings, fresh air, and pure water. So it wasn't just a let's just pump them full of drugs or throw them in a padded room. Get them healthy, man. Let's make them feel emotionally and physically healthy. Yeah, I like that. Fucking beautiful. Fully developed Massachusetts examples of the Kirkbride plan exist at Danvers and at Worcester. Ah, Worcester. <laughs> Worcester, Mass. Jesus. <laughs> so by the turn of the 20th century, Danvers State Hospital had outgrown its site and facilities. Therefore, in 1902, an additional 100 acres straddling the towns of Danvers and Middleton was purchased and a major building campaign was undertaken. Huh. 20th century additions to the hospital reflect not only growth of the patient population, but also an increased emphasis on occupational therapy and current theories of decentralized care. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Large barns were uh, built as, uh, um, well, uh, as new buildings for the men who, <laughs> I couldn't, I don't know what I did there. For the men who helped out of the farming venture, Grove Hall and Farm Hall, and for women, uh, the women chronic patients. They actually have a, a, a chronic women's patients. Okay. So, like, if you have yeah, yeah. chronic illnesses or whatever. In fact, after the very first year of its operation, once the layout was decided, roads, fences, piggery, corn barn, they had a piggery, Moody. Okay, you need pork, dude. Yeah. Corn barn, wagon shed, manure cellar, and apple orchard were in place. Dude, you know, I actually was just talking about getting a manure cellar. 
A manure saw? Yeah. You should probably have one. I, I feel like I need one. Well, if you had a piggery, then you would have a manure. You, I mean, one I only. I have three dogs. I have plenty of manure. You have to coincide with one another, correct? Right. Right. You can't have one without the other. No. I mean, like, I got the dogs. I got plenty of shit. Especially after that snow melted. <laughs> so after only the second um, uh, 50 cords of wood and 10,386 pounds of fresh pork were realized. 11,000 pounds of pork. Dude, that is that sounds so awesome. The farm continued to grow and prosper and soon became a famous model. The Danvers onion, locally derived by the Gregory Seed Company, was among the many vegetables grown. Elaborate pleasure gardens. Pleasure gardens. <laughs> what kind of hospital are we talking about now? Where, where are they going with this? Well, they were established adjacent to the Kirkbride Complex to supplement uh, recreational therapy programs. That's awesome. Yeah. So they had like nice little gardens you could walk through. Dude, and... they're trying to fucking help people. It's awesome. It sounds great. It right does now. sound great. In fact, the Danvers State Hospital was so remarkable that it attracted 12,000 yearly visitors as early as 1880. Just to like check the place out? Just to fucking check it out. Wow. In addition to visiting patients, they brought uh, contributions of books, magazines, and flowers and conducted religious services. Of course they did. Thus was established a pattern of community involvement for which the hospital would later be noted. So it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, dude. Things are looking up, man. Right. I would pretend to be crazy just to go there, I think. I mean, it's 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 pretty awesome. And they're, you know, they were like advanced getting into it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. They're definitely ahead of, that's definitely way ahead of the time to that right. point. Right. So by the 1920s, the hospital was operating uh, the school clinics to help determine mental deficiency in children. Reports were made that uh, various inhumane shock therapies, lobotomies, drugs, and straitjackets were being used to keep the crowded hospital under control. So, yeah. So we've peaked. We've definitely peaked. And we're kind of like, if you're on a roller coaster and you're in the front car. Yeah. And you start going over the hill. We're going over the hill. You're like just hanging there waiting right now. Yes, this is, yes. So obviously this sparked some fucking controversy. Of course. Shock therapy and straitjackets became the norm. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Shock therapy sparked some controversy. Ah. (laughs) The thinking was that jolts of electricity could either alter a patient's brain or make the patient afraid of shock therapy. (laughs) No no shit. (laughs) And scare them into submission. When they misbehave, they were put in straitjackets and forgotten. Forgotten. Yeah, just put in a room. See you later. Hey, uh, whatever happened to that guy in room seven? I don't know what you're talking about. No, don't you remember nope. we nope. we uh nope. we, we gave him shock therapy nope. and then we put him in a straitjacket. No. And I uh, nope. and, No? Mm-mm. I think his name was like Jim? Mm-mm. No. Nope. You don't remember him? Nope. Huh. Oh, all right, well whatever then. When shock pet therapy failed, the lobotomy started. Oh. Woo! Rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. That's right. In 1939, the medical community was looking to uh, for a permanent fix to the uh, crisis facing mental health facilities. I can't believe that you. Oh, just wait. Just, I just wait. Just can't believe that. Like, like I understand the time to time period. Like we were just laughing at doctors at that point in time, right? Like, I can't believe shit like this is like ever legitimate. Oh, it gets good, and I get real detailed. <laughs> Yeah, so the population of the hospital swelled to 2,360 people, so way over. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be like 250. <laughs> right, right, right. Way over. And a total of 278 people died at the hospital just that year. Holy shit. Yeah, so a lot of bad what stuff happened. What year was happened. that? 20... Uh, 1939. 39, okay. Yeah, so... So So the 20s is when it started, like the mid-20s is when they started hearing about the shock therapy. Yeah. Straight jackets and all that. Shit started getting all kinds of fucked up, and then they were like, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. So, yeah, it's it's fucking 
And then, so now we're at 39. We're at 39. And 280 people died. Correct. Yeah. So medical science saw lobotomies as a cure for anyone's insanity and as a way to stop the deaths. Okay. Okay. So neurology experts often call Danvers State Hospital as, guess what, the birthplace of the prefrontal lobotomy. Jesus. Yeah, buddy. So it goes from being cutting edge, (laughs) curing people. And I understand that they thought that this was a cure and whatever. They're like, this is going to work. It's going to be good. Right. But like, it went from being this like progressive, like, we're going to help people in this beautiful surroundings and water and air and whatever to... We're going to cut your fucking brain out. Yeah, well, um, and, and it's going to get, I, I will give a precursor to people out there if you got a weak stomach and you're listening to this show. You probably don't. But if you do, it gets a little fucking graphic yeah, coming up here excellent. soon. Yeah, so, I was looking at some pictures and it was yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fucked up. So brought to the U.S. and perfected by Dr. Walter Freeman. Please remember that fucking asshole's name. Most while at Danvers. That's right. He did most of them at Danvers. The moniker came from its widespread use, but also from the deplorable procedures refinement at the hospital. So... What is a lobotomy, you may ask yourself? Well, hey, John. Yes. It's a lobotomy. Well, self, I'll tell you. Yeah? Lobotomy, from the Greek lobos, meaning lobes of the brain, and tomos, meaning cut, is a psychosurgical procedure in which the connections uh, of the prefrontal cortex, the section of the frontal cortex that lies at the very front of the brain, in front of the uh, premotor cortex, and underlying structures are severed, or the frontal cortical tissue is destroyed. The theory being that this leads to the uncoupling of the brain's emotional centers and the seat of intellect, okay, in the subcortical, uh, excuse me, subcortical structures and the frontal cortex, respectively. Medulla oblongata. <laughs> Something wrong with his medulla oblongata. <laughs> so the bot- lobotomy was first performed on humans in uh, the late 1890s. About a half a century later, oh, it was, wow, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's it was a pretty new, new thing. thing yeah. yeah, about a half a century later, it was being touted by some as a mir- miracle cure. <laughs> mir- miracle, you like that miracle, or, or just that it's a miracle just cure? Just laughing, it's a miracle. Yeah, cure. for mental illness, and its use became widespread during its heyday in the 1940s and 50s. The lobotomy was performed on some 40,000 patients in the United States God. and around 10,000 in Western Europe. So the procedure became, which is fucking crazy to me, because normally Europe's like ahead of us when it comes to stuff like that. So we were like, oh, yeah, well, check this out. I'm going to fuck these fucking guys in their eyeballs. So the procedure became popular because there was no alternative and because it was seen to alleviate severe uh, social crises, overcrowding in psychiatric institutions, and the increasing cost of caring for mentally hey, ill they patients. They give you a lobotomy and send you home drooling Correct. to your family. You're done. Yeah. You're fixed, right? Because they were making fucking fuck zombies. It. So you can't do anything. Right. Fucking... They were literally building zombies. So although psychosurgery <laughs> has been performed since the dawn of civilization, the origins of the modern lobotomy are found in animal experiments. Car- I, said ex- I said experiments weird on that one. Experiments? Experiments. <laughs> Carried out towards the end of the 19th century. The German physiologist Friedrich Gutz, Friedrich Gutz, Friedrich, 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 Friedrich. Friedrich. I call you Igor, <laughs> Friedrich. He performed surgical <laughs> removal of the neocortex in dogs and observed the changes in behavior that occurred as a result. And he wrote, quote, I have mentioned that dogs with a large lesion in the anterior part of the brain generally show a change in character in the sense that they become excited and quite apt to become irate. Dogs with large lesions of the occipital, oh, what a word, occipital, 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 again, okay, occipital lobe, <laughs> on the other hand, become sweet and harmless even when they were quite nasty before. 
So he's saying if you go in, you fuck up that one part of their brain, they're going to be nice little puppies. Yay. Yeah, nice little puppies. So these findings inspired the physician Gottlieb Burkhardt. Oh, uh, you know, course, no, fucking yeah, Burkhardt. Old, old man Burkhardt's son. Yeah. yeah. So the director of uh, a small asylum in Prefargier? <laughs> what, what is it? What, is, what do you think that says? Prefargier? Prefagier? Prefargier, pre Switzerland, <laughs> Prefargier Switzerland. Anyway, Prefager maybe Switzerland. Anyway, to use these removals of the cortex to try to cure his mentally ill patients. So this guy was like, "Okay, I heard about this. He's using it on dogs. I'm gonna try and use it on, on my actual patients." Yeah, if it works on a dog, why not a person? Right. So in 1890, Burkhart removed parts of the frontal cortex from six of his schizophrenic patients. One of these patients later committed suicide, and another died within one week of his surgery. Good job, dude. Thus, although Burkhardt believed that his method had been somewhat successful, he faced strong opposition, you think, and stopped experimenting yeah. with brain surgery. Two out of six of them fucking, yeah, yeah that's not a good ratio. It's fucked up. So it was not until the 1930s that lobotomy was again performed on humans. The modern procedure was pioneered at the time by the Portuguese, oh uh, God, neuropsychiatrist, ooh, ne neuropsychiatrist, Antonio Igaz Moniz, a professor at the University of Lisbon Medical School. Well, he sounds like a dashing man. Yeah, he does. Anton My name is Antonio Igasmonis. He's like, picture him like tall, swarthy, like yeah. dark, slick back hair. You killed my father. Yeah. Prepared to die. Yeah. That's him. All the ladies loved him. <laughs> Hairy chest. Oh, doctor, you're going to perform lobotomy. <laughs> you can lobotomize me anytime you want <laughs> with your dick. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. I don't even know why. I'm sorry. That was fucking horrible. So anyway, oh, while <laughs> what the hell? God damn it! While attending a frontal lobe symposium in London, Moniz learned of the work of frontal lobe symposium. Yeah, dude, it was a big. It was a big deal back then. Like this was you, like. What are you doing this weekend? Ah, I'm just gonna go check out that frontal lobe symposium. It was huge in the, the medical fuck? medical fields back then, man. Like uh, everyone who was a medical <laughs> practitioner. This was huge. Like, it was fucking huge. So, um, anyway, this was uh, for uh, Carl Jacobson and John Fulton, both of whom were experimental neurologists at Yale, Yale University. So, they were putting on this frontal lobe symposium. Okay? Okay. So, Jacobson and Fulton reported that frontal and prefrontal cortical damage in chimpanzees mm. led to a massive reduction in aggression, while complete removal of the frontal cortex led to the inability to induce experimental neuroses in the chimps. Okay. So if you cut it, <laughs> they can't do shit. They're a little bit nicer, but if you take it out, they ain't doing shit. Yeah, they just fucking sit there all day. Right, they're fucking, fucking monkey zombies. <sighs> I know a chimpanzee is not a fucking monkey. I get it. I am. It was a joke. <laughs> so here they describe the post-operational behavior because you know damn well someone's going ah oh, whatever. <laughs> so here they describe the post-operational behavior of a chimp named Becky who had previously got extremely distressed after making mistakes during the tasks she had learned. Aww. Fucking crazy and sucks and whatever. Poor monkey. So the it's not a monkey. It's not a monkey. So the chimpanzee went to the. This is this is quote. This is written down. Okay. This was this is an actual quote. Yes. Okay. The chimpanzee went to the experimental cage. The usual procedure of baiting the cup and lowering the opaque screen was followed. If the animal made a mistake, it showed no evidence of emotional disturbance, but quietly awaiting, uh, the awaited the loading of the cups for the next trial. It was this as <laughs> it was as if the animal had joined the happiness cult of the elder Michaud and had placed its burdens on the Lord. So they're saying that they cut this monkey's brain out and it just didn't give a fuck anymore. Correct. Yeah, correct. I mean, it makes sense. So they're like, success! 
Fucking fuck you, Becky, which is fucked up. Anyway, on hearing the presentation of by Jacobson uh, and Fulton, Moniz asked if the surgical procedure would be beneficial for people with otherwise untreatable psychoses. Although the Yale researchers were shocked by the question, Moniz, together with his colleague Almeida Lima, operated on his first patient some three months later. So only three months later, after going to the symposium, he was like, oh, chimpanzee? I can do it on a person. So that's what they're doing. Yeah. On November 12th, 1935, Moniz and Lima performed for the first time what they called a prefrontal uh, leucotomy. This is what it was called back then, okay. which means uh, white matter cutting. That's what leucotomy well, means. Well, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So the operation was carried out on a female manic depressive patient and lasted about 30 minutes. The Man, now it's just like, hey, here's some pills, you're good. Right. The patient was first uh, anesthetized and her skull was perforated on both sides. That is, holes were drilled sure. through the bone. Well, you got to get in there. Right. Then absolute alcohol was injected through the holes into the skull, into the white matter beneath the prefrontal, prefrontal area. Alcohol. Alcohol. Yes. Like, okay. Like, yeah. Like, like moonshine? Mm, probably not. Said absolute alcohol. I, I mean, depends on the proof, I guess. I'll fuck you up. Because, no, different type of alcohol. Like ethanol or something? <laughs> <laughs> In this way, two of the bundles of nerve fibers connecting the frontal cortex and the thalamus were severed. Because of the alcohol? No, because they went and cut it. So what was the point of the alcohol? Just to keep it um, sanitary. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So the thalamus is either of two masses of gray matter lying between the cerebral hemispheres of the brain on either side of the third ventricle, relaying sensory information and acting as a center of pain perception. Yeah, I know. Okay, I did figure you did. I was telling them, not you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. We're good. So Moody's reported that the patient seemed less anxious and paranoid afterwards and pronounced the operation a success. Subsequently, he and Lima used a knife, which when, uh, when inserted through the holes in the skull and moved back and forth within the brain substance, <laughs> would sever the thalamocortical connections. Like, you can just see that. He's just like... <clears throat> Just, just in there, just moving it around like this, just up and down. Just what the fuck? You're scrambling someone's eggs, dude. We're gonna cut something. Fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. They later developed a special Jeez. wire knife called a leucotomy, leucotome, leucotome, whatever. Fuck it. Anyway, which had an open steel loop at its end. Oh, good, good. Yeah. When closed, the loop <clears throat> severed the nerve tracks within it. Uh, you know who it else used a, the object like it that? It seems a little bit better than just sticking a knife in a hole in your head and fucking wiggling it around. A little bit. You know who else used those, though? Those same type of kind of tool? The Egyptians, when they were uh, oh, turning people fucking, into fucking mummies. I'll say, when they pulled the shit out of your nose. Yes, when they were getting your brain out of your fucking head. So these procedures were blind. The exact path of the leucotomy, or whatever it's called, could not be determined. So the operations produced mixed results. Say, so they're just, like, cutting whatever they get to. It's whatever. Like, it, uh, is that far? Uh, all right, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> did you, oh, wrong one. Wrong one. Did you get it? Uh, I don't fucking know. Guess we'll find out when they wake up. So, in some cases, they were uh, there were imp uh, improvements in behavior. In others, there were no noticeable difference. And yeah, yet, in others, because they fucking didn't cut the right thing, right? And in others, the symptoms being treated became remarkably worse. <laughs> in all, Moniz and Lima operated on approximately fifty patients. Fifty fucking people. They scrambled fifty people's fucking brain eggs. Yeah, like, a couple of them worked. They said. Ugh. The best results were obtained in patients with mood disorders, while the treatment was uh, least effective on schizophrenics. No schizophrenics? shit. Yeah. 
1936, Moniz published his findings in medical journals and traveled to London, where he presented his work to others in medical community. In 1949, he was shot four times by one of his patients. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Is this, is that real? That's real. So he... <laughs> yep. One of the 50? Yep. They found him. Yep. And shot him. Yep. That's that's what happens when you go and fucking scramble someone's fucking eggs. I have a feeling that that kind of changed the perception of what people thought about his work. Yes. So uh, anybody that was thinking about getting into that before was probably like, right. So actually, I was kidding. It, it wasn't one of his lobotomized patients. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was not. It, it would have been great if it was, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it wasn't. You asshole. So one of the uh, bullets actually entered his spine. Who was and it? it was just one of his. Patients, a different patient. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was a patient. It just wasn't. You no, know, it was. Uh, no, seriously. Like somebody shot him four fucking it times. It just wasn't one of the people that he Right. Did it was lobotomize. probably somebody that he okay. wanted to lobotomize, and they were like, no, nah, <laughs> I don't want that. that <laughs> so uh, one of the bullets entered his spine and remained lodged there until his death some years later. And oh, this, he lived. Yeah. Well, fuck that guy. Well, until later on that year. Yeah. Or some years later. I don't know. I don't have an exact one. But I mean, he didn't. The, the shooting didn't kill him. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately. In the same year as the shooting, Moniz was awarded the Nobel Prize for Medicine for his innovations in neurosurgery <laughs> and scrambling people's brain eggs. Dude, if that's all you got to do to win a Nobel Prize, I should have like 10 of them. At least two. Fuck yeah. I mean, you should. I should. Yeah. So, scrambling my kids' brains every day. So everybody's asking right now, and that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's asking right now, what in the shit? Does any of this that I'm talking about right now have to do with the Danvers Lunatic Asylum hey. right now? Right? Right. What? What does any of this have to do with the asylum? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay, thank you. The American clinical neurologist, Walter Freeman, that motherfucker. Uh, remember, you told me to remember the yep. name, and I remembered it. Good. Did you? Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Yay. Made a mental note. Nice. In my medulla oblongata. Where's that at? Frontal cortex, three <laughs> lobes. So this piece of shit... <laughs> had been following the work of Moniz closely and had also attended the symposium on the frontal lobe. It was Freeman who introduced the lobotomy to the United States. I remember earlier we were saying how Danvers yeah. became like the, the center uh, birthplace for, yeah. of the... Yeah. So, um, and who would later... He would actually later become the biggest advocate of the technique. So this guy was like... he would. He fucking brought it over. Here. Right. So with neurosurgeon James Watts, Freeman refined the technique developed by Moniz. So the one that Moniz was using on his 50 patients or whatever, this guy was like, you know what, I Took can, I can do it better, it. right? They changed the name of the technique to lobotomy to emphasize that it was white and gray matter that was being destroyed, not just the white matter. Remember earlier from the lacotomy or whatever they called that? Yeah. I didn't know there was white. I thought it was all gray matter, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Painting the white to gray? Maybe. Sorry, that's a little Camira. Sorry. Reference. Yeah. So the Freeman Watts standard procedure was used for the first time in September 18 or 1936, also known as the precision method. This involved inserting a blunt spatula through holes in both sides of the skull. A blunt spatula. Correct. The instrument was moved up and down to sever the thalamocortical fibers. What? Yep. Same, same shit. Yep. Dude, just stick the spatula in this guy's head and fucking wiggle it around. Right. However, Are you kidding me? Freeman was unhappy with the new procedure. He considered it to be both time consuming <laughs> and messy. He wasn't worried about the patient. Time consuming and messy. Dude, you're sticking a spatula in someone's head and wiggling it around. So what the fuck do you want? He developed a quicker method. The, oh. The so called ice pick lobotomy. 
You, you, you hear that? Sounds pleasant as fuck. The ice pick lobotomy. Is that yes. what it's called for real? That's uh, that's what the they nicknamed it, the oh, ice pick lobotomy. Jesus yeah. Christ. Which he performed for the first time on January 17th, the 1945. I, I guarantee it is. So with the patient rendered unconscious by electroshock, an instrument was inserted above the eyeball. <laughs> they shocked him into unconsciousness. Correct. And then gave him a fucking lobotomy. Correct. Oh, my God. Because nobody goes in willingly to do this shit. That's fucking insane. And so he inserts this thing, you know, above the eyeball. So that's the that's what I was seeing the yep. pictures of. So, yeah. so if you guys take your finger like up there, yeah. and you go right in like the, I'd say, what, what, it's like what a little o'clock soft is that? Spot there. Is it 3 o'clock? No, that's 3. It's that's, like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. From your side. If this is it and you're going this way, that's like 10 or 11 o'clock. From your right eye. Whatever, dude. <laughs> anyway, towards your nose. nose. Yeah, towards your nose. Yeah, right, right, right. So he would do that through the orbit using a hammer. So he would take the ice pick and he'd go in the eye and he'd take a hammer and go. <laughs> Moody's literally like, okay, how bad can this really be? Dude, that's fucking brutal. Yeah. Oh, wait. I mean, you could. there's a spot there, but holy fuck. Oh, wait. So once inside the brain, the instrument was moved back and forth. This was then repeated on the other side. So he hammers this in there and just fucking wiggles it back and forth yep. and pulls it out, hammers it in the other side, fucking wiggles it back and forth. Correct. Yeah. Dude, that's, you can't even see what you're doing. Correct. There was no x-ray. no they, fucking idea no what's idea going what on. Doing. He is, uh, fuck. So the ice pick lobotomy names as such because the instrument used resembled the tool with which ice is broken is therefore also known as the transorbital lobotomy. So this is the birthplace of the transorbital or, orbital lobotomy. Just fucking hammer an ice pick into your head. Yes, that's what he's doing. So Freeman's new technique could be perfor uh, performed in about 10 minutes. So, you know, it's quick. You know, save some time. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Because it did not require anesthesia. Did you hear that? Well, yeah, they shocked you into unconsciousness. But they're shoving an ice pick into your fucking brain without anesthesia. That'd probably wake you up. Ugh. It could be uh, performed outside of the clinical setting, and uh, lobotomized patients did not need hospital internment afterwards because they were fucking zombies. It's not like they can fucking do anything. Right. Thus, Freeman often performed lobotomies in his Washington, D.C. office. In his office. So, like, not in a fucking, uh, 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 what do you call it? A, why can I think right now? In a hospital. Yeah, yeah. In a fucking surgical room or anything like that. Like, in his fucking office. Much to the horror of Watts, who would later disassociate himself from his former colleague and the procedures because, you know, fuck this guy. So, Watts was like, I'm out. This is the dude that started it with him. Yeah. After Going and seeing the other guy. You know what I mean? The Diaz or Mayas or yeah. whatever, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, there you go. Look. Like, look at that. Yep, that's it. Fucking ridiculous, dude. Yep. They were take that thing and stick it right up its eye. Yep. Oh, my God. So Freeman happily performed uh, ice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that's fucking in there, dude. That's it. That's the one. Uh, oh. Moody's showing me pictures of this right now. We'll post those up. Oh, my God. That's fucking terrible. Do me a favor. Can you send that onto social media right now? I guess. I don't know if I want to. You should just do that and tell people like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it up on Facebook at least. Good. So Freeman happily performed ice pick lobotomies on anyone who was referred to him. You know, because he loved it. He was like, yeah, this is fucking great. During his career, he would perform almost 3,500 operations. 3,500 lobotomies. Daddy no liking. Yeah. Like the leucotomies performed by Moniz and Lima, those performed by Freeman were blind and also gave mixed results. 
Some of his patients could return to work, while others were left in something like a vegetative state. Most famously, Freeman lobotomized... Um, yeah, this is fucked up. He lobotomized President John F. Kennedy's sister, Rosemary. Dude, I, okay, I've heard that story. Yeah. I knew that the, she had had that done. That's, right. that's fucking crazy. Whose lobotomy was actually scheduled by her father. And without her mother knowing about it. That's right, I did hear that. Because she was mentally impaired. She was incapacitated by the operation, uh, which was performed on her when she was only 23 years of age. Rosemary spent the next six decades hidden from the public in a Wisconsin Catholic institution where she was cared for by nuns. She died there in 2005 at the age of 86. Her father never visited her again, Ugh. and her siblings rarely fucking spoke of her. What the fuck? That's how it was back then, though, man. They fucking put you away and never, maybe you were just done. Oh, here's a great one for you, too. And by great, I mean fucking horrible. On December 16th, 1960, Freeman notoriously performed an ice pick lobotomy on a 12-year-old boy named Howard Dully at the behest of Dully's wicked fucking stepmother, who had grown tired of his defiant behavior. Howard went on to say, quote, My stepmother hated me. I never understood why. But it was clear she'd do anything to get rid of me. If you saw me, you'd never know I'd had a lobotomy. The only thing you notice is that I'm very tall and weigh about 350 pounds. But I've always felt different, wondered if something's missing from my soul. I have no memory of the operation and never had the courage to ask my family about it. So, I recently sat out on a journey to learn everything I could about lobotomy. It took me years to get my life together. Through it all, I've been haunted by questions. Did I do something to deserve this? Can I ever be normal? And most of all, why did my dad let this happen? Ugh. What the fuck? Ugh. Dully's mother had died when he was five years old, and his father subsequently remarried a cunt. Sorry, ladies out there. I know you don't like that word. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Who cares? This woman is one. She is a total see you next Tuesday. Anyway, her name was Lou. Freeman's notes later revealed that Lou Dully feared her stepson and described him as, quote, defiant and savage looking. According to uh, the notes, quote, he doesn't react to either love or punishment. He objects to going to bed, but then sleeps well. He does a good deal of daydreaming and when asked about it says, quote, I don't know. He turns the room's, the room's lights on when there is uh, a broad daylight outside. Okay, so the kid didn't want to go to bed and just turn lights he on. Was just, he was being a fucking dick. Right, he was being a 12-year-old little Sounds boy. Sounds like my kids. Right, exactly, just being an asshole. How many lights around in my house right now, bro? Uh, I'm sure, yeah. So Freeman recorded the events leading up to Dully's lobotomy. You ready for this one? I can't wait. November 30th, 1960, Mrs. Dully came in for a talk about Howard. Things have gotten much worse and she can barely endure it. I explained to Mrs. Dully that the family should consider the possibility of changing Howard's personality by means of transorbital or orbital orbital. Damn it, I hate that word. That's awesome. Transorbital. <laughs> Fuck. Transorbital. There it is, lobotomy. Thank you. Mrs. Dully said it was up to her husband that I would have to talk with him and make it stick. Yeah, so, yeah. December 3rd, 1960, Mr. and Mrs. Dully have apparently decided to have Howard operated on. I suggested they not tell Howard anything about it. So, hey, little boy, we're going to go and shove an ice pick in your fucking eye. But, uh, yeah, don't ask any questions. Following the operation, the notebook simply reads, I told Howard what I'd done to him, and he took it without a quiver. He sits quietly, grinning most of the time and offering nothing. Because he was fucking lobotomized! Jesus, man. After 40 years, uh, or about 40 years after his lobotomy, he discussed the operation with his father for the first time. 
he discovered that it was his stepmother who had found Dr. Freeman. After being told by other doctors that there was nothing wrong and that his father had been manipulated by this evil CNX Tuesday and Freeman into allowing the operation to be performed. And uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, she is a C word, folks, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so, fucking crazy, man. So the kid probably had like HDD or H yeah, HDD or HDAD or, or ADHD. That's what, that's what I'm talking. That's what I'm saying. Like HDD. H- <laughs> I actually have HDD. In Dude, it. he had 1040K. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker's 4K all the way. <laughs> It sucks. Anyway, yeah, yeah, fuck a 12-year-old kid. So it was largely because of Freeman that the lobotomy became so popular during, during the 1940s and 50s. He traveled across the U.S. teaching his technique to groups of psychiatrists who were not qualified to perform the surgery. You heard that right. Freeman, Jesus, yeah. Freeman was very much a showman. He often deliberately tried to shock observers by performing two-handed lobotomies or by performing the operation. It's like, whap, right. bitch. Or by Dude, performing the operation, the huh? The picture. I'm telling you. Or he performed the operation in a production line manner. He once lobotomized 25 women in one day. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, he was just fucking out there ice picking everybody. So journalists were often present on his uh, tours of hospitals so that his appearance would end up on the front page of the local newspaper. So the guy thought he was like some hot shit. He was also featured in highly popular publications such as Time and Life, which are magazines, if you guys didn't know. Often these news stories exaggerated the success of lobotomy in alleviating the symptoms of mental illness. So in other words, he's like, oh, no, they're all okay. Everyone's fine. Yeah, they're all fine. Oh, the boy over there drooling? Don't worry about him. Consequently, the use of lobotomies became widespread. As well as being used to treat the criminally insane, lobotomies were also used to cure political dissidents. Yep. It was alleged that the procedure... Uh, yeah, they're fucking zombies. I can't yeah. say shit about it. It was alleged that the procedure was used routinely on prisoners against their will, and the use of lobotomies was strongly criticized on the grounds that it infringed the civil civil liberties of the patients. An excellent account of the effects of the... No shit. Right, exactly. Uh, the accounts of the lobotomy and the ethical implications of the use of the procedure can be found in Ken Kesey's book, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, great movie, too. Great movie. And, of course, you guys know it was made into a film in 1975 and starred the number one Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Was that was that close? Yeah, it was not, not bad. Not bad. I'd have to hear a longer, like, sentence. Where does he get those wonderful toys? It's not bad. Is it better? Not bad. Not bad. I, I'll work on it. I'll yeah, work on it. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. It's pretty good. The use of lobotomies began to decline in mid to late 1950s for several reasons. Firstly, although there had always been criti- uh, critics of the technique, opposition to its use became very fierce. Secondly, and most importantly, oh my god, I hate this word, phenothiazine-based phenothiazine-based neuroleptic drugs, antipsychotic drugs. Hey, thank you. (laughs) You cut it short. I get a half of applause. That's funny. Such as uh, uh, chlorpramazine became widely available. So now uh, right, drugs are starting to come into play right, now. Right. So you don't have to stick an ice pick in someone's fucking brain now. Yeah, and hammer it in there. Right. So these had much the same effect as psychosurgery gone wrong. Thus, the surgical method was quickly superseded by the chemical lobotomy. The chemical lobotomy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what Jeffrey Dahmer did. Oh, yeah. Oh, Drilled oh. holes and poured acid, Yeah. Man. Oh, what a fucking... Didn't, it, newsflash, it didn't work. No, no, no it did not work. Yeah. 
So visitors to uh, Danvers State Hospital in the early 1940s reported lobotomy patients wandering aimlessly through the halls of the hospital. The patients didn't complain because many of them just stared blankly at walls. Sick, because they couldn't fucking do anything. Correct. Patients walked around in a drugged, hellish daze. No one would let them leave and held them against their will as well. So during the 60s... They can't do anything to fight back. Right. During the 60s... The, uh, as a result of the increased emphasis on alternative methods of treatment, deinstitutionalization, and community-based mental health care, the inpatient population at Danvers started to decrease as we talked so about. So they were getting back to the basics. Correct. They were saying, fuck lobotomies. Correct. we got to figure this out. Right. Good. Good for them. And on top of that, massive budget cuts in the 1960s played a very major role in the progressive closing of Danvers State Hospital. Well, yeah, dude. They couldn't afford any more hammers and ice picks. <laughs> <laughs> All the ice picks are gone. They're gone. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Look, they, you put in an order for ice picks, they don't show up. What are you going to do? Right. So the hospital began closing wards and facilities as early as 1969. By 1985, yeah. the majority of the original hospital wards were closed or abandoned. The administration block and the original Kirkbride building closed in 1989. Patients were moved to the Bonner Medical Building across the campus. The great shift in mental health treatment came with the invention of the pharmaceuticals that we talked about, the psychopharmaceuticals, sorry, the early hypnotics though drugs like chloral hydrate, morphine, and opium had been in use for much of the late 19th and 20th <laughs> centuries. The advent of modern antipsychotics such as chlor... Uh, you're good, dude. You're fucking dying. Um, chlorpromazine, and, uh, which is Thorazine or whatever, revolutionized the care of the mentally ill. All right? So all of that makes sense? Yeah. All right. So the entire campus was closed on June 24th, 1992, and all patients were either transferred to the community or to other facilities. <laughs> just like, all right, you guys go. Yeah. Hey, fuck See it. you guys later. Yeah. In December 2005, the property was sold to Avalon Bay Communities, a residential apartment developer. A lawsuit was filed by a local preservation fund to stave off the de demolition of the hospital, including the Kirkbride building. Yeah, which, good. Fuck it. Yeah, it's a historical kind of place, you know? Absolutely. Which was listed on the National Register of Historic Places. This did not stop the process, however, and the demolition of most of the buildings began in January 2006 with the intent to build 497 apartments on the 77-acre site. So it goes down, they go up, right? Right. All right. By June 2006, all the Danvers State Hospital buildings that were marked for demolition had been torn down, including all of the unused buildings and homes on the lower grounds and all the buildings on the hill. Demolition was done by Testacorp of Wakefield, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, not Tesla. <laughs> Testa. Testa what? Testa. 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 <laughs> what was that? Testicles. Oh, okay. Ah. okay. The historic Kirkbride was also <laughs> demolished, with only the outermost brick shell of the administration area, along with the G&D wards on each side, being propped up during demolition and construction, while an entirely new structure was built behind and inside of it, leaving the historic Danvers Reservoir and the original brick shell. Much of the wood from the demolition project was salvaged and recycled into flooring and other millwork. So there you go. What do you think? It's fucked up. Crazy shit happened there. It's 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 to me. It's it's you. So it, okay, it's said right here. All right, it says the failure to protect and adapt, adaptively reuse the grand exterior and the monolith. Oh, that that's just talking about the damn thing. Whatever. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was sold to somebody yeah. else and the remnants. Whatever. So the only remnants of the yeah. horrific practices that went on in Danvers State Hospital are on the gravestones in two nearby cemeteries, which contain. 770 bodies. Wow. Some headstones only have numbers as opposed to names. 
and even in death, administrators at Danvers Hospital did not dignify their patients. Mm -hmm. There is a monument listing the patient's name, but nothing on the grave marker. So you can go and see a monument that says who their names are and shit like that. So many ghost hunters. Let's talk about ghosts, Moody. I was going to ask you, man. I was reading a little bit about the haunt, about it being haunted, so I was going to see if you had anything on that. Well, many ghost hunters have snuck into the property before its demolition. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I would. Very few of them have captured any sort of evidence. Oh. In most cases, they caught phantom footsteps <clears throat> and a few shadows. Okay. There's only been one eyewitness report to surface over the years. Geraldine Was it Zach Baggins? It, fuck him and no. Okay. Yeah. Good. Gerilyn Levasseur <laughs> stated she saw a ghost when she lived there as a child. Oh. The, the ghost pulled the sheets off her bed, and it manifested as an older, scowling woman. Levasseur said she never felt threatened by the ghost. She must not have gotten a lobotomy. She did. Or maybe, yeah, no, she, the old lady, because she was scowling. She was scowling. She had a lobotomy. She'd have been happier. <laughs> Permagrin. Yeah. Jack Nicholson reference. There <laughs> you go. So she also confirmed it only appeared one time. So while the number of documented paranormal experiences may be low, there's a great deal of potential ghostly activity at the hospital. From 1920 to 1945, the hospital and its staff committed horrible acts like the fucking lobotomies, systemic neglect, and restraining children for days at a time. Supposedly, the negative energy left a massive psychic imprint in the dark and decaying halls of Danvers. Absolutely. So you may not see a ghost, but you can feel the patient's pain from years ago. Some paranormal experts believe this may help create a personalized haunting. This means you may not see a patient's ghost, but the building could manifest in your inner fears, doubts, and agonies. Okay. Like your dreams and shit. I'm just, uh, I was looking at something here. It says that uh, apparently the cemeteries around there, you know, they're saying that that's one of the only things left, uh, that people see some apparitions out there. In, like, yeah, with the, the 770 fucking... Yeah, that's a few. That's a lot. A few dead people out there. Yeah. So apparently there are, there's some people claim they see apparitions out there as well. Yeah, but there's nothing really like documentedly. Yeah, like, like I, I'm looking at it right now because you know I didn't have the notes. You did this. This was yeah. This was all you. And uh, like I'm looking it up, like haunted stuff. There's there's. I, I was surprised. I thought there would be more, but there's not much about uh, about hauntings there. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, there's I, not I, much left of the place, anyways. I went into it thinking like this place is like crazy haunted. It's yeah. not about the it's hauntings. Just about the crazy it's about what the fuck happened, happened there, while yeah. it was open, dude. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. So, listen, folks. The following story I'm about to tell is a horrible account from a Danvers employee. So this is pretty this fucking... This is from an actual employee? Yes. Okay. It's pretty fucking rough, so if you don't want to listen to it, I completely understand. Uh, it's about the unfortunate death of a child. Oof. So skip ahead about 30 seconds if you need to, all right? So I'm going to start here. So, quote, back when they started dual diagnosis, they transferred this 15-year-old boy from Hogan to DSH. <laughs> this boy had a habit of crawling into heat ducts. The heat ducts don't go anywhere at Hogan. It's a newer building, and uh, and you can't get hurt. Anyway, they sent him up, and he was up there for about three weeks, and he disappeared. We searched everywhere for him. We looked all over, and we couldn't find him. The staff over at J-Ward started to notice a horrible smell getting worse and worse every day. Anyway, to make a long story short, he got inside the ductwork in J-Annex. The ductwork in DSAH goes right down to heating coils. He slid down, couldn't get up, got trapped, and died. His feet landed right on the coils and literally burnt off up to his shins. I was there and had to go over there and help cut him out of the wall. There must have been 25 people in that room that day. Medical examiner, uh, clinicians, you name it, you know, etc. I cut the wall and Butch, the tinsmith, was there to cut the tin duct work. We, uh, when we cut through it all, uh, cut through it all and opened it up, the kid was right there and looked almost frozen. The pathologist reached in to take him out, and his hands sunk into his chest like jello. The smell was disgusting. 
Mm. It was a nasty stench, and we all got sick. His death brought on a major, major state investigation. His parents were mad as hell, and rightfully so. We had bigwigs from Boston and the state police lab up there for weeks. It was just a horrible experience. I've seen a lot in my 24 years, and that was by far the worst. God damn, dude. Isn't does, it it? Say, does it say when that was? Um, Is there a year on that? No, it just says a uh, 15-year-old boy. Fuck. Yeah. He was so much bad shit happened in that place. Yes. So It, it I seems could, like it was just in that like 20-year period. Right. Like everything was good. And then that motherfucker came in with his lobotomy. Fucking Freeman. Everything went downhill. And then they started to pull out of it again. And then it just, you know. Right. And you know what happens when you pull out? No, I don't. I have three kids. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the Danvers Lunatic Asylum. And it is, oh, man, doing the research on that. I was like, holy shit. I can't believe that they... People actually endured that kind of torture in there. Yeah, that's crazy. And in in the in the United States in this kind of a modern time, you know what I mean? We're talking yeah. early the forties, fifties. Fucking wild, wild. So fuck Freeman. So anyway, we need a palate cleanser, and of course, Do we? it's my favorite part of the show. It's the movies. So we are talking about the top 10 horror movies set in asylums or mental hospitals. Wow, there's a lot of them, too. They're quite a bit. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Get it? Because every... Because if you think about it, man, like, it's like an easy genre. Like, you you could find so many mental institute movies. Well, because you can... And it it spreads. You made it... It's dark already, so you're just... And it spreads from, like... Like haunted stuff to like people actually being in there. And right. Like, so it could be anything. Right. Right. So number 10, this is on, uh, from <clears throat> Imdaba, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number 10 is Bad Dreams from 1988. Not familiar? The lone survivor of a suicide cult wakes from a 13-year coma in a psychiatric ward mm-hmm. where other patients suddenly start dying under mysterious and gruesome circumstances. Ooh. Stars Jennifer Rubin, Bruce Abbott, Richard Lynch, and Dean Cameron. Okay. Nope, never heard, never of, heard of it. Never heard of this one. Sounds uh, kind of cool, though. Kind of 5.7 rating, you know. I'll check it out. Yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Gross $9.8 million. I don't know why I've never... It's an 88 movie. I don't know why I've never heard of that. All right, number nine. 1973's Don't Look in the Basement. I've seen this movie. Have you really? Yes. No way. I'm I'm 99% positive I've seen this movie. Stars Bill McGee, Jesse Lee Fulton, Robert Dracup, and Harriet Warren. Um, it's got a 5.1 stars. It's, I, I paused specifically <sighs> to see if we could hear you inhaling. <laughs> He's got his inhaler right now. It says a young psycho- or psychiatric nurse goes to work. Hold on, I got to start that over. A young psychiatric <laughs> nurse goes to work at a lonesome asylum following a murder. There she experiences varying degrees of torment from the patients. Okay. So that's Maybe that I one. haven't seen that. It sounds familiar, though. I feel like I've seen it. I don't know. Whatever. Go on. Yeah. Number eight, Dark Asylum. Wonder what that's about. <laughs> 2001, a madman terrorizes a female psychologist when they are accidentally locked up in an abandoned asylum. Sounds Acc- Accidentally, of course. I mean, that happens all the time. Dude, Judd Nelson's in this. Oh, okay. Fine. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. It. 4.2 stars. And uh, that's uh, out of 849 votes. So, like, I don't know. No one's. I, I still don't understand the ratings on there. So, you can actually go in there if you look at. If you go up to the top, you can rank them. You can set them to be ranked by stars. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I just typed in whatever in this. So, I, like, I don't know what this ranking is, but like, you can rank, you can you can select it to be ranked by how many stars it oh, has. Oh, that's cool. We'll yeah. start. Maybe we'll start doing that. Yeah. You know. Excuse me. Uh, so number seven is uh, uh let's see here, uh, 1972's Asylum. Okay. So hmm. yeah, I wonder what that one's about. Yeah. In order to secure a job at a mental institution, a young psychiatrist must interview four patients inside the asylum. Barbara Parkins, Richard Todd, Sylvia Sims, and Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing's in this. Ow. Uh-oh. Sorry. You right? Yeah, I just I yawned and it hurt really bad. <laughs> Moody is still suffering from this fucking thing. Oh, 6.5 stars. Fucking made my eyes water. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, He's I'm crying. Good. Number five. What was that one called? Sorry, go ahead. That was, uh, no, I'm sorry, I skipped one. That was uh, Asylum, which, by the way, this next one, number six, is Asylum from 2008. <laughs> six college students discover Ooh. their dorm was once an insane asylum that conducted gruesome lobotomies on its teenage hey, inmates. Hey, yeah. there we go. During the 1930s. Uh, this is 2008. Dude, perfect. Yeah. Uh, this is Sarah Romer, Jake Muxworthy, Mark Rolston, and Travis Van Winkle. Oh, Travis Van Winkle. Okay. Yeah, you know Travis Van yeah, Winkle. Yeah, yeah, he was in that thing. It's not Vanilla Ice. It's Rob. It's Rob. Rob. Maybe that's his brother. Maybe. Yeah, it might be. Number five. Chocolate Ice. (laughs) Chocolate Ice. (laughs) Uh, Number five is Madhouse from 2004. It's a great Anthrax album. Is it? Song. Yeah. Album or song? Madhouse. How's that go? I'm not, I can't do it again. <laughs> says a young psychiatric intern. You guys see, you seeing a pattern with all these intern unearthed secrets about the mental health facility in which he works. Of course he did. It's got Joshua Leonard, Jordan Ladd, Natasha Leone, and Lance Henriksen, our boy. Nice, yeah. dude. I love Lance. Okay, Henriksen, I may have to watch that just because he's in it. Uh, number four, Grave Encounters Two, from 2012. Uh, let's I, I think I've seen the first one of those. Actually, Grave really? Encounters. I think I've seen Grave Encounters. So it says a film student who is obsessed with the movie Grave Encounters. Hey, all right. <laughs> sets out with his friends to visit the psychiatric hospital depicted in the original film, starring Richard Harmon, Sean C. Phillips, Jenica Fulton, Jeffrey Bauer Chapman. Never I've seen I've seen Grave Encounters. Five point one stars. Well, that's funny because number three is. Grave Encounters. Oh, Christ, all right. <laughs> From 2011, for their ghost hunting reality show, a production crew locks themselves inside an abandoned mental hospital that's supposedly haunted, and it might prove to be all too true. Starring Ben Wilkinson, Sean Rogerson, Ashley Grisco, and Merwin. I don't know any of these fucking people. No, of course not. Yeah. Why would you? Number two. Is there any other movies that, like, are there any big movies in here? No. Because there have been some pretty famous popular movies that were yeah no i you, know, you, you gotta do it by stars yeah I'll, I'll do that here in a second um the reason uh, number two on this list is 1989's the dead pit okay it's a renegade doctor is shot dead and entombed fun. with his fiendish experiments in the basement of an abandoned Ooh. wing of mental hospital Ooh. yeah jeremy slate cheryl lawson stephen gregory foster and danny goshnauer <laughs> okay okay yeah. but number one is session nine from 2001. Okay, I've heard of that one. Tensions rise within an asbestos cleaning crew as they work in an abandoned mental hospital with a horrific past that seems to be coming back. This movie was based on Danvers Lunatic Asylum. Oh shit. Yes. All right. That's why I was like, oh, cool. So all right. So if I click on list popularity, uh, I believe number so. of votes. No popularity. Popularity. Let's click on popularity. I think it'll. I think that's what does it by stars. All right. Let's see. Yeah. See. Oh, it's a totally different one. No, because look. Only 5.7 stars. The one below, it's six. There's one. That it's by, by votes. No, it's not. There's. I know there's one that you can do by stars. 
I thought it was popularity, but I guess not. Do it. IMDb rating. Oh, let's try that there one. There you go. I'm sorry, we're totally. Yeah, see, there you go. We're working this out, and it's, it's not even the same damn movies. I, that's what I'm saying because there's so fucking many of them. This is by this is how many stars they have. So it'll start with dude number seven on this list. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Holy fuck, I can't believe I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's my favorite one, too. That's amazing. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. See, that's why you got to do it by by that. We've been IMDb. doing it all wrong the whole yeah. time. And this will, so this will give you, like, from the, the highest stars down. Okay, well, for now, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we obviously we fucked up fucking fucking fuck. Well, that's there were the couple of the ones that I did from IMDb that I did that way. And I, I was like... And I have to say, I haven't done the last four episodes. So I was like, I was going to tell you, I'm like, dude, we got to do this for if we can get an IMDb list. Make sure we do it from like at least stars so we can have like the most popular. Yeah, we'll start doing that. Yeah. That's good. I don't know. It's kind of funny the other way, though, because we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, there's like no reason to rhyme for that. We're only in, what is this, episode like how 91? The fuck, how the fuck is like, what was that? What was, was the top one on the other list? Which one? Session nine. Session nine. Like, like how would that be above fucking Nightmare on Elm Street three? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the ranking was on. So that. I don't know how they. I don't yeah, know how they do that. It's so fucking weird. Anyway, <laughs> passengers, we hope you enjoyed. Listen, we're fucking back first and foremost. Yeah. And I know there was a lot of information Feel about good, the man. actual building and the things they did there, but the the gruesome shit behind the Danvers Lunatic Asylum, the fact that this guy was like, he. This was something that was practiced all across the globe. Yeah. And this dude basically did all of them at that place. That place, yeah. Just sticking ice picks in people's eyeballs and just... There's some just, nice pictures on the website for you. Yes. So we threw them up on uh, our Facebook Facebook page. for now. Yeah, yeah we could, we'll put them up on yes. whatever else. So get have. over there and check that shit out. It's fucking gross. <laughs> the funny thing is there people are going to see those posts like now. And be like, and what the fuck? And the episode's not coming out until tomorrow. And they're going to be like, what the, the fuck is this? <laughs> So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be like, what the? Well, no. Hopefully, they know because I mentioned it uh, last week. I think a lot. I think a couple of them are tagged as Danvers, whatever, as well. So they'll at least get an idea of that. It's, it has to do with the episode. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know. So now, listen, Moody's back. I am. All right. After all this fucking COVID bullshit, he's yep. still feeling a little bit rough. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, there's still a chance I could die, but you're not gonna die, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but listen, next week. You know what, what are we going to be talking about? What do we got next week? We're diving back into the true crime side. Really? And we're going to go into the case of the doodler. Funny name, but he's a dick. Bad guy. Yeah. Bad guy. It's actually unsolved. I, like, I see. I like this one because it it's quote unquote unsolved. Right. But they have. Yeah. They have ideas. And they, it's recently some pretty, new shit just came out with it too. much like know who did it, I guess. Right. But they but, can't prove it. But they can't prove anything. Right. They have suspicions or whatever. Yeah, so if crazy. you guys don't know about the doodler, there was a uh, a serial killer out in uh, San Francisco back in the 70s. Yeah. That uh, was killing gay men. Killing gay men. And, and nobody would come forward. Right. Because nobody wanted to be outed as gay at the time. Right. Because it was considered you know, yeah. bad to be yeah. gay at that point in time. And uh, so this guy would actually like draw pictures to like get them to right he yeah. would like hey i'll draw a picture of you he and like doodle the picture yeah and take it's him. it's a fucked up story and it's uh still unsolved quote there's unquote so many like little variables too like he's what is it like they, they attributed like five murders to him but people are saying it could be like 17 yeah. 16 like they're, they're saying there's so many crazy more. shit 
So we're going to dive into that next week, and it's a pretty fucked up story. So make sure you guys are sticking around. Tell your friends about it. And make sure to stop over to our official website, TheMidnightTrainPodcast.com. At our website, you can buy some super sweet merchandise. Super sweet. Super sweet. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some new shirts coming out. I got some shit in the work on top of the fecal fighters, which I promise is coming. (laughs) I promise. And listeners keep asking how they can keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, consider being a producer of the show by heading over to the Midnight Train Podcast and clicking on the Patreon button or at patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast for as little as $5 a month. You can get all kinds of shit like custom shirt, custom poster custom sticker bonus episodes like the day the music died series the moody says he's got another one coming it's coming all right sorry so if you're a diehard midnight train fan and you want to help produce this motherfucker our patreon is for you for those of you that would rather leave us a one-time donation you can head on over to paypal and use the email address the midnight train podcast at gmail.com also you can easily like subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform and most importantly share the midnight train to everyone it takes only a couple of minutes and word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes right absolutely right we can't thank you all enough for all the love and support we have received you guys have no clue how much we appreciate it especially like you know when we're not able to make it and we're like oh yeah. we're sick and everyone's yeah. like dude man we hope you guys feel better it's cool yeah, you know, it, was, it was good I, yeah. yeah it was nice to see that right so you you motherfuckers really do keep this train moving. So thank you all so much for listening. And so this list keeps getting bigger and fucking That's what bigger. I like to hear, man. There's going to be an entire episode dedicated to just our That's passengers. Fine. Hey, fuck it. So these are people that have signed up for our on our website or our okay. Patreon producers. All right. So a big fucking flipping motherfucking midnight train shout out to do I have, do a, I have a drum roll? Do yeah, I have I do. my drum got, roll? Hold on. Come on. What are you hold new on. here? There it is. <laughs> To my beautiful wife, Grace, Jeff, no, not our Jeff, Chion, um, BCLM Reinwald, Mac, Julia, John, Brandon, Pat, Janet, Barbara, Patricia, Lacey, Mikey, Ben, John, Nate, Tess, Heidi, Kaylin, Kevin, Samantha, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, the Sister Skeleton. Make sure you check out the Sister Skeleton podcast wherever you're listening to the podcast. They're doing, the uh, they're doing Leprechauns, their new episode. I actually uh, started listening to it uh, today. Actually. Did you? Yeah. And uh, apparently um, they're, they're really pissed off about the cold weather and shit up there because they don't like Leprechauns. Uh, no, not the Leprechauns. Them. The leprechauns the gr- are pissed no, off? The girls, they don't like that. The sisters. They're from fucking Jersey. <laughs> they're like, one day it's like windy as fuck, and their accent just cracks me yeah, up. Yeah, welcome so. to fucking Ohio. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it sucks. 30 degrees one day, 90 the next. But I guess uh, Jesse had a, uh, a, uh, a COVID scare at work. Oh. Yeah, so you guys get over there and check me too. them out. Had, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you knew. You had a pretty serious COVID scare. Me? Yeah. yeah it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> Get over there and check them out and tell them that, that we sent us, all right? Or we sent us? <laughs> that we sent you. I've had a couple beers. Had a couple. I've had a couple beers. Couple. Anyway, also thank you to uh, Riley, Logan, Reagan, Charlie, Alyssa, Sydney, Ava, Diane, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily Ann, Son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandipi, Danny, Rex, Sadie, Remy, Melissa, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, that's another Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, uh, Sean Benson, Colin, uh, Todd, David Vallow, Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad at Voodoo Vodka, which, by the way, they have uh, green-topped ones. Dude, those are awesome. Yeah. The, the St. Patrick's Day or ones. St. Patrick's Day. They got the little uh, shamrock on top. Yeah. Uh, sweet. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Stripper Kevin, <laughs> Davey, our Mexican Vato, and a very fucking... <laughs> Hola, Davey! Hey. A special thank you to our superhero Patreon producers, Tommy Fenderbosch, Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Funbox Podcast. Please make sure you check out the Funbox Podcast. I promise we're going to do something. Yeah. 
Well, once one of us isn't dying or something like that. Yeah, we'll, let's get past this bullshit. Also to uh, Christina Skelton, Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome, um, Oliver Gimmel, both of them, which would be Chainsaw and Jigsaw. Oh, good for you. I have no doubt. <laughs> wait, wait, I got this one. What the fuck? There you go. <laughs> Craig Spurlock, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, Katie Brabinick, and Bill Birch. If you want your name mentioned on the show, just sign People up. People are awesome. Four, they are awesome. They're fucking fantastic. Damn. All you got to do is sign up at our, uh, as a member on our website. It's easy. Just go up there yeah. and just click Money sign up. Money goes right back into the show yeah. to help us. And like we, got, the, we got the Audible now, so I can research more. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, that's um, working. We uh, uh, almost just shut off the fucking machine, dude. Yeah, let's not do that. Right <laughs> <in the middle. laughs> He's new. Yeah. So yeah, every single cent that every that anybody donates or that you guys, you know, we want to put as much content as possible out there for you. Everything goes back into the show, whether Absolutely. it's whether 100%. it's for promotion or if it's for whatever it is, because yeah. you know we're just trying yeah, to build this motherfucker, giving us uh, opportunity to do more research, better research. Correct. You know, take the time and actually get into. Because we don't want to just give you a, a fucking reading of Wikipedia or something stupid like right. that. You know? Yeah. So we're, we're we're like trying to get into it. So feel you know it's we're not just you're not getting nothing for something. Right. 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 And we you know we're. We love you guys. You guys are fucking awesome. Yeah, it's great, man. So in the meantime, listen, stay safe out there, passengers. Yeah, don't get COVID. Don't try not to get COVID. It's not great. Although uh, Texas and uh, <clears throat> Mississippi and a few other states have actually pulled their masks. Pulled their masks. Yeah, everything. Oh. Ohio's on its way. I just saw that. He's, uh, they're, yeah. they're starting to scale everything back. Yeah, what is it? 50 cases per 100,000? Yeah. Yeah, as long as we get below that, we can take it off. Yeah. Please. I'm tired of wearing that fucking mask. Yeah, it sucks. Anyway, we love you, motherfuckers, and we're back. So guess what? Choo-choo, motherfuckers! Now go home and get your fucking shine box.